Hi, do you want to go to a party with me? No, game's on. Oh, I almost forgot. I'll be right there. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, football, football. Welcome back to another episode of the NLN Sportscast. I am Frank Conti, and with me, as always, is Bronson Allman, my co-host. And we are embarking on Season 5, if you can believe it already, of our of our podcast. Now, it's only Year 3, um, but we kind of split up the seasons uh, based on the calendar year and the kind of a spring and a fall season. So we're going to call this Season 5 since we've turned over into 2022 and Bronson and I haven't been with you for a while, so we have a lot to to cover tonight. We have a couple weeks worth of the NFL schedule wrapping up and getting you ready for a wild card weekend. Um, we have to take a skate around the NHL and talk to you how the Penguins have been doing. Um, talk a little college football as that season, the, the bowl season and championship games of and playoff college football playoff is all now wrapped up. Um, we're going to have our, our normal final thought segment with a couple hot takes and, you know, other, some other sports that Bronson and I like to squeeze in that we're passionate about tonight. So look forward to that. But, uh, yeah, Bronson, a wild, wild, uh, couple of weeks in the NFL and, um, I'll let you slide in here and, and introduce yourself and, and, and get us ready for this, uh, action packed show. Well, um, allow myself to introduce myself as Austin <laughs> Powers would say. Uh, yeah, Bronson Almond here. I think I think if you've gone this far, if you've gone this deep in the podcast, I think you know who we are. But uh, <laughs> uh, Frank, hope you had a, a great New Year. We, we uh, last uh, touch base was the day after Christmas, so a lot has happened in the sports world since we recorded. Uh, we thought maybe about making the season debut last week, but your boy here was uh, a little under the weather and really unable to talk, so that would have been a very horrible uh, season premiere episode. So. We held it back a week. We were able to tie things up with the NFL and college football and give you a jam-packed show here tonight. So uh, good to be back with you. We have a lot to get into. and uh, uh, ready. I'm already fired up about a few things here. So um, I'm sure it'll be, it'll be great podcasting, uh, uh, audio, and, uh, and some uh, entertainment and amusement for, the, for our uh, listening audience. Yeah, Bronson, excited as well. And um, I guess we better not waste any time. We should get into it. Um, week 17 of the NFL is kind of where we left off uh, yeah. d- discussing things. And um, yeah, I'll just pull up the scores and go over some of the games that took place that kind of had, you know, big time playoff implications because it came down to the final couple of weeks. And, um, you know, as we talked about in in other shows, um, a lot of teams jockeying for position, playoff spots still wide open. Um so yeah, I mean, division division titles, playoff seating, um, a lot of teams because of the parity in the NFL um, were still alive going into the week seventeen and eighteen, and of course we have the extra week this this uh, year with the seventeenth game. So um, I was watching Red Zone quite a bit this day, so I I, I was got to see a lot of these games. Um, the yeah, first... same here, Frankie. Since, since yeah. the, the game I was going to was on Monday, right. Um, Falcons bills was kind of close early on. Um, Falcons actually led it to half, uh, 15, 14. It was a, a safety. So it was a kind of a weird score, um, with Buffalo, you know, clinging on to the tiebreaker AFC East lead, um, you know, hanging by a thread, they needed to, to beat, a you know, kind of a subpar Falcon team. Um, and 
uh, to, to, to hang on to that ASC East lead. And um, they were able to pull it out late, Bronson. They shut them out in the second half, um, 29 to 15. Um, interesting play in that game. My, Matt Ryan scored a touchdown and taunted uh, one of the Bills defenders. Um, and, and that's not something you usually see in Matt Ryan's game. And, you know, I thought the referees would give him a little bit of leeway, but call, call the taunting foul. Um, but then they reviewed the play and ruled him down at the one. So what was bad about it is the taunting still counted and backed them up to the 16. And that's one thing that I'd like to see the NFL competition oh, committee. Yeah. I would like to see them look at that because there would be no reason for him to taunt if it wasn't a touchdown. So that kind of should be viewed as like never happening and maybe they have to come up with some type of like, okay, we're not going to penalize him because we got to act like the touchdown never happened. So That's how they should have acted. Maybe we'll do like, maybe he'll get fined, fine $10,000 for it or, but like to punish the team 15 yards, it doesn't sit right with me. Now, if it, now if Matt Ryan would have like pile drive the guy and like phys- <laughs> physically hurt him, that's something that you like can't overlook, but a little bit of taunting, um, I, I feel like they shouldn't back him up 15 yards from the one. So that really kind of put out the flame for the Falcons. They ended up, uh, I think, going for it and not getting it there. Um, but, yeah, the Bills hang on and keep that AFC East lead. Um, biggest game of the week, Bronson, was Bengals-Chiefs. And as, yeah. Steeler, as Steeler fans, we still had division title hopes and – you know me with the playoff machine. I was plugging them all in. And <laughs> the path to the division for the Steelers was was to beat um, – who did we play in Week 17? Cleveland, of course. Yeah. Um, Bronson will chronicle that later. He was actually in attendance Monday night. Um, we had to beat Cleveland. We had to beat Baltimore our final two games. And we needed Cincy to lose out. Um, lose to the Chiefs, lose to the Browns in Cleveland, which, you know, those are two tough games. You know, the top-seeded Chiefs um, – with Mahomes and you know, the Browns in Cleveland, you never know. So the, the Steelers still had a path to the AFC North crown in a home playoff game. Um, so down to the wire, really rooting for the chiefs, um, crazy sequence at the end. This game was like so many ties, so many lead changes, like a playoff preview, really. Um, Burrow and chase just absolutely insane. Jamar chase is we're watching yeah. an absolute stud being born. Um, that one play that slant at like midfield that he just took off and put on the jets was insane. Um, Bengals get it last Bronson and, um, what's, I forget the coach's name. Uh, Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor kind of big roll of the dice, um, going for it on like multiple fourth downs, even after penalties, like a couple penalties. It's like, now he should kick right No, He's going for it again. Didn't want to give Mahomes and, and company the ball back only <laughs> up by three. So he went for the touchdown until finally um, they got an automatic first down and he was able to just kneel on it a couple of times and kick a field goal at the buzzer. And that's how the Bengals won it. Um, crazy game. Clinched the AFC North for the Bengals. And you know what? You know, we, we kind of hate our AFC North rivals, but I got to tip my cap to the Bengals this year. Um, picked to finish last by a lot of people and. They pull out um, a, a, a great season and win the AFC North. So uh, the emergence of Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow in year two, um, that team's going to be good for a long time. And it's going to be tough for a Steeler fan to deal with that. But uh, overall, it makes the AFC North stronger. And 
um, just a great game for them. A confidence builder going into the playoffs, beat it, being able to beat a Chiefs team, a, a red hot Chiefs team that had won well, like eight in a row at that point. What's well, not, you uh, know, not only just the Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow connection, you know, you know, band back together from LSU, you know, they, they have, you know, um, you know, T Higgins and they have, you know, from Pitt, Tyler Boyd, not to mention the fact that they have a, they have a great run game with Joe Mixon. So it's like, you know, however, however they want to execute offensively when they, when they get all the horses going, uh, they're a very dangerous team, Frank. They are. And they're, they're nobody's going to want to see them in the playoffs for sure. Um, maybe a little bit inexperienced, so we'll see, but, um, yeah, they, they clinch a home playoff game. Uh, they, they will host that wild card weekend, so we'll get into the matchups after we talk about all these games. But um, Dolphins Titans was a big one, Bronson, with the Dolphins uh, still having hope, and the Titans um, now with the Chiefs loss. Now these games were both one o'clock, so they didn't really know. But yeah, um, with the Chiefs loss, they definitely had a a, a, a path to the one seed and the bye. Um, and they take care of business. They wall up the Dolphins 34-3 um, in, in Tennessee, um, pretty much knocking the Dolphins out and putting them in the driver's seat, controlling their own destiny for the number one seed in the bye and home field advantage. So that was a big game. Um, another huge one week 17 was Raiders-Colts. And I admit I did, and this ended up really helping the Steelers um, if we to, to give a little bit away. Um, I thought we needed a Raider loss. Um, I, I think when it came down in week 17, a Raider loss would have helped the Steelers. Um, so I was rooting hard for the Colts, but the Raiders beat the Colts and that ended up ha- helping the Steelers in week 18. Um, it, it's just one of the crazier endings, Bronson, when we talk about playoff uh, seed, seeding and clinching, but Raiders beat the Colts in a back and forth struggle um, in Indy. Um, and Derek Carr was big in this game. A lot of big plays late. Um, Raiders actually scored a touchdown. I think it was to Hunter Renfro late in this game. And as I, as I always do Bronson, and I always tell you this, um, and teams sometimes I've seen some players do it, but Hunter Renfro should have fallen down at the one yard line. (laughs) <laughs> knee, knee, and gone knee 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 kick. I remember we talked about this I think I talk about it all the time and some coaches and some detractors would tell me you never want to risk a kick when the points are in front of you get the points um but Renfro scored and gave the Colts the ball back with you know with time and a chance to win it um but uh it he they ended up uh I think the play was penalized I want to say, and they ended up running the clock out and kicking the field goal, which was my strategy anyway. Um, but it, but yeah, it's a, a lot of big plays late in that game for the Raiders to to, to take out the Colts. A um, couple teams that were in the playoff hunt. That was a huge game. The Colts were still alive. They just needed to win in Jacksonville in Week 18, and they'd be fine. Um, so they they weren't licking their wounds too much, but the Raiders had really given themselves the chance uh, where where they controlled their own destiny to get in. So with Ritz Pataccia and, and company taking over there um, for for Gruden, a great story there that the that the Raiders alive for a playoff spot. A um, couple of the other games, Jaguars Patriots had no meaning. It was a blowout. Um, Eagles and football team, uh, the Eagles did a great job in a tight divisional matchup to, to, to win this one late. A big interception sealed it. I forget who the player was. Um, 
but a, a diving interception at the end or uh, Washington would have won and probably knocked Philly out. So the Eagles kept their playoff hopes alive, winning a tough divisional road game. Uh, Rams and Ravens was one that, you know, I wanted Baltimore knocked out. So I was really rooting for the Rams. Um, <laughs> this was the extra game. You know, everybody had that one extra game. So yeah. um, the the Rams going into, I'm glad the the Ravens got a tough one this year. We kind of lucked out and got a Geno Smith led Seattle team. Um, but the Rams went in there and another one that was back and forth with ties and lead changes. Um, Rams took it 20 to 19. The, and um, Frank, this game was, this game was a bit close too, because, uh, and then we're going to, we're kind of foreshadowing what happens in week 18 here with the Rams too. Um, the chinks and, and Matt Stafford's, uh, armor are starting to show a little bit here. Uh, some, uh, familiar mistakes he made when he was in, in Detroit are starting to show up a little bit. And it started this game. Uh, against Baltimore, and, and that's a big ask. You know, you're going back, you're going across the country, you know, going to M&T Bank Stadium to take on the Ravens. That's a big, that's a tough battle. Um, I don't think it was the, the, Lamar didn't play this game. It was it was Huntley, right? Yeah, Lamar set out the last five games. So yeah, that was a big big reason for the Ravens' decline. But um, yeah, this. But uh, you're right. You know, it was a close game in the end. But yeah, stat. You know, even the game that the Rams won on uh, was a Sunday night or one of the, the night games. Uh, you know, Stafford has started to show some chinks in the armor, and it, and it continued to this game. Rams uh, just barely escaping uh, Baltimore with a 2019 win. Yeah, so that really put the the Ravens behind the eight ball, and uh, they still had a an outside shot a little bit harder than the Steelers' route um, with with needing help and whatnot. But um, yeah, so the, the Ravens lose that when I was rooting hard for the Rams and. Ra- Ra- Ravens actually got the ball and uh, had a chance to win it with with Tucker, and they, all they needed to do was probably get it to the forty five ish, and Tucker would try from sixty something, but uh, with with little time left on the clock, Vaughn Miller finally made his presence felt and got a huge sack that ended the game because uh, they had no timeout. So Donald was in the face of Huntley all day in that final drive, and and so was Vaughn Miller. So. Uh, yeah, the Rams hang on really helped their playoff seating um, and, and all but knock out the Ravens. Um, Chargers Broncos was one Steeler fans needed a Bronco win, but it was unlikely this game was in L.A. and SoFi and um, never really in doubt. 34-13, so didn't get any help from the Broncos. It was looking like the Chargers uh, really had a path to the playoffs, and the Steelers w- were slim because we were looking up at the Colts and the Chargers and the Raiders and needed all kinds of help in Week 18, which we'll get to. So it was at this point in time, it was pretty bleak for the Steelers. Um, it was still, you know, we still had to take care of business Monday night against Cleveland and beat Baltimore in week 18 and get a bunch of help. So this one didn't, this one stung a little bit when the chargers won this game, I was all but writing the Steelers out of the playoff chances. Um, Niners took care of business against Houston. That was expected, keeping their hopes alive. Um, kind of the shocker. One of the shockers, Arizona went into Dallas and won. So Dallas already easily wrapping up the NFC East. Uh, maybe a letdown there. This really helped the Cardinals solidify their seating and keep them alive in the NFC West. And the Cardinals have been playing really good on the road, Frank. So this was right. not a shock to me. And uh, this was uh, this is I think this was the Fox America's game of the week, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, that, they, they've been really weird, really good on the road, really, really bad at home. They were eight, like, I think eight and one on the road this year and like three and four at home, three and five. So, yeah, that was a that was a good one. Um, both of those teams um, are going to go to the playoffs. So maybe down the road they meet again, but a uh, really good game. Um, Saints kept their playoff hopes alive. They barely get by the Panthers who had nothing to play for at home. Um, Seattle, Detroit, no, no bearing at all. Um, and then green Bay, Minnesota on Sunday night. Um, also, I mean, seating wise, the Packers had to keep winning to, to secure the buy. So yeah, they do take care of business without Kirk cousins. Uh, the Vikings really put up no effort, got crushed. Sean Mannion, right? That was the quarterback. Right, right. Sean Mannion. Uh, so that's how it shook out, Bronson. And it came to Monday Night Football. And I'll let you oh. take the ball. Because, uh, go ahead if you want to talk about any of Sunday's uh, results. Yeah, we we skipped uh, we skipped the lead. Let's just go with it now because we're just going to talk about it now. And we'll, we'll, we won't address it the rest of the time. Oh, right. I skipped this on purpose and forgot to go back to it. I know, <laughs> no, it's I all right. That's what I'm here for, to. partner. I got you. I know what you're alluding so to. So I'll, I'll take this one here because I actually watched most of this game. <laughs> Right. So we had the red zone, and uh, yeah, so uh, Tom Brady, you know, going to a familiar place that he had played most of his career in New York to take on the Jets. Many trips he's taken uh, as a member of the Patriots, but I believe this was his first one um, as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Frank. And uh, believe it or not, uh, the Jets came out uh, they came out pretty tough early here, and uh, I don't think anyone with, with half a brain was going to give uh, the Jets any kind of chance to win this game. Um uh, I forget um, who was out for the Jets due to COVID. One of their receivers, but let, but uh, either way, um, Braxton Berrios gets on the board. The, he gets on board the touchdown, with, and then Mike Evans uh, ties it for Tampa. Uh, but Berrios again, another touchdown. He was the star of the game for the Jets. Um, they were up fourteen to seven. Bucks get a field goal, and then the Jets answer the field goal to go up seventeen to ten. Frank, the third quarter is when things start to get a little shaky here because the Jets take a 24 to 10 lead on a Ty Johnson one yard run. Now, during this game, Frank, uh, there is some storylines uh, off the sidelines and, and, and on the sidelines here. Um, uh, Gronk, I think Gronk returned to this game, Frank, or he was out for when he came back, to, or he, he was more prominently featured this week. Uh, Brady was going to Gronk quite a bit here. Um, but uh, Antonio Brown had, uh, came back into this game. He was uh, he had he had a, a ankle injury, um, and it was also highlighted that if he had uh, got a couple catches, Frank, or got a touchdown on a couple catches, he would uh, nail each of the thirty three three hundred thirty three thousand dollar clause in his contract that would give him the one million dollars. Um, but Brady did not go to AB early, and he went to Gronk. And allegedly there was a, a or AB I guess went to Brady and said, "Oh, you're going to your boy Gronk, huh? and, and I guess Brady talked to, to AB about that. But uh, there was a certain instance, Frank, in the third quarter where um, we didn't know at the time, but uh, Antonio Brown had an outburst on the sidelines. Uh, his teammate Mike Evans tried to to talk him out of doing whatever it was he was going to do, and Antonio Brown had a, an outburst. He uh, pulled his shirt off with his uh, shoulder pads attached, threw, threw it down on the ground, and then was walking towards uh, the exits there in New York. Uh, took his undershirt off, threw his gloves in the crowd, and then when he hit the opposing end zone, he uh, 
And I'm sure if you listen, you've already seen the footage, but uh, he starts jumping in the air and waving and doing some jumping jacks or whatever the heck it was. And It's already been a meme a, a thousand times. Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> he did this midway through the game, Frank, and especially yeah. when the, 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 the Bucks really needed him. They were down, you know, 24 to 10 to the, to the Jets. And he does this on the other side of the field. And Tampa Bay won't get penalized. They, uh, someone said on the NFL that you don't get penalized if it doesn't inter- interrupt the field of play, which he didn't. It was on the completely other side of the field. Um, and so there you go. Like he just, Antonio Brown just walks out of the game. Um, but even a guy like Tom Brady with nerves of steel and ice water in his veins doesn't, you know, let something like that happen and uh, rattle his uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer football team. Uh, so he responded with a touchdown pass to Cameron Bray. Ryan Suckup gets a field goal to make it 24-20. They're down by four. And then uh, Tom Brady pretty much, uh, you know, saying, hey, we don't need A-B. We, we, can, make, we can make a start of someone else. And uh, and that turned into, to, on that last drive, Frank, the game-winning drive, uh, uh, go-to passes to Cyril Grayson, including a 33-yard pass on Tom Brady. Actually, former Steeler Le'Veon Bell got the two-point conversion there uh, at the end there. So the, another former Steeler there working out for the Bucks, But, uh, um, Tampa Bay snatches the uh, the d- 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 victory from the jaws of defeat there at MetLife Stadium against the Jets. But at the end of the game, all the questions was about the outburst of Antonio Brown. We've seen this obviously, Frank, in the you know years he was here in Pittsburgh, and obviously the situation in uh, in, uh, in Oakland at the time it was Oakland, and then Buffalo, uh, or not Buffalo, New England. I'm sorry, um, but uh, you know Bruce Arians was asked immediately after the game about it, and he. Didn't mince words. He said Antonio Brown is no longer a buck and talked about the, you know, the, the, the gritty performance of his team and, and things leaked out during the week about what he had said or what he walked off the field and, and, uh, and why he him and his team alleged, alleged that, that he tried to come. They, he was asked to come back in the game, but said his ankle was hurt and they basically told him to take his stuff off. He was done. And that's what caused the outburst. Other people said, you know, just he was angry. He didn't get his bonus. And then, Frank, I'm not trying to make our podcast rated R. I'll make it as PG as possible. But um, apparently he, uh, this weekend he was uh, he was intimate with an, a, uh, an Instagram model. And uh, she went on some of the local New York stations there and, and uh, was very <laughs> disclosing of their relationship. <laughs> so um, Antonio Brown eventually the other week was cut by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they wanted to do their, do their due diligence, Frank, uh, to make sure that there is no grievance that could be filed against them by the Players Association and Antonio Brown's uh, representation there. So, Frank, you know, looking like A.B. maybe can, can lead the charge to another Super Bowl for Tampa Bay. And now he's not without – now the, the same same old Antonio Brown that we've always known rears his ugly head again, and uh, he's no longer a Buccaneer. He's not in the NFL. Uh, I saw the other day on, on TV or on the internet, he's like hanging out with Kanye West now. So – um, it's just, it's, it's, it's the same fish we've smelled before Frankie. And, uh, and now you start to wonder if that was the last, uh, act of, uh, uh, last act he had ever, uh, would perform on an NFL field, Frank, will, will a team give him another chance? Will we ever see Antonio Brown again? Um, uh, but this was definitely, this was the story of week 17. It was Bronson. And it was just something that. You, you you saw coming and you just had to figure like a ticking time bomb. Not uh, if, but when. <laughs> yeah, it w- would happen and just Steelers got rid of him when they did. And, you know, everybody for a third and a fifth and everybody thought, well, we should have got more. But he was kind of damaged good. Such a locker room cancer, as they say. And, you know, the Oakland Raiders um, were a destination that you would see a lot of, you know, tough like 
you know, guys with, with checkered past go um, and get another chance. So that seems like a, a, a good place for him. Of course, he had the whole thing there with Mayock and Gruden and the helmet and the, you know, trying to wear his own helmet. Oh, the helmet. I um, forgot about that. And and that's why he wouldn't practice. And it, you know, it kind of snowballed into him holding out. And the cry, uh, remember the cryogenic chamber thing, too, where his feet got frozen. <laughs> I mean, you can't write this stuff. I mean, it's just that I hope somebody, you know, does a 30 for 30 someday. But, um, yeah, that all that happened in Oakland, and they cut him loose and actually just got nothing for him, just totally cut him. So they, they lost a third and a fifth for nothing. Um, and, of course, when it happened, I think everybody in the world was, was knowing that, you know, New England's going to come knocking because it seemed, you know, they <laughs> yeah. get, for, you know, a decade ago it was Randy Moss. And then, you know, it's like even back to like Corey Dillon, it's like any kind of any kind of big Shadow play, Jacinco. Yeah, yeah. Any type of good player um, with kind of Hall of Fame credentials that's uh, that falls out of favor or is getting older. Belichick tries to snatch up. So it was, you know, Brady had talked about how, you know, he would love it to play with AB. So they make it happen. Antonio Brown pretty much orchestrates it and wanted to get himself cut because he filmed that Instagram video of him dancing around. I think he already had a deal in place with New England. Goes there and everybody thinks this is the, you know, the, 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 the AB whisperer. Uh, Brady will be in Belichick. He'll finally become an upstanding citizen and, you know, get them a ring um, does play in a game against Miami and catch a touchdown. We're in number 17. He looked really weird in number 17. Um, but of course, one week into his tenure there. Um, and this one might've been a little rough. I, you kind of, kind of think AB might've got a raw deal, but a text message surfaces with uh, sexual assault allegation. And I don't know if, if charges were ever filed. And I, I think the, the woman recanted, but um, I could be wrong on that, but just because of the bad PR and how it might look. And if it is true, the Patriot, you know, with the me too movement and everything, the Patriots had to, to cut ties with them. So true or not. This well, girl, also too, I think there was some text exchange between, Antonio and his accuser and some people he asked like his friends to get dirt on her not yeah. to mention the fact that I think he had an interaction with Robert Kraft uh, that he disrespected Mr. Kraft okay that that all there, there was in all that one or two weeks he was there he'd already he'd already uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, yeah alienated himself from the organization yeah so with all of that it, within one or two weeks his his uh, tenure in New England was over. And and, fr- and, and Frank, you not to cut you off, but I, I think I had a little bit of technical difficulties here when you were talking. So I was able yeah. to pick up half of what you said there. But um, like you said, the Patriots have always been the organization to give people second chances, and we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned already had some names already, like Randy Mosses and etc. I I mentioned Chad Ochocinco, Albert Hainsworth, a couple <sighs> other guys, Corey Dillon. You mentioned, mm-hmm. um, and it's like you know if he can't make it in England, where was he going to make it? And then obviously, you know, we fast forward to to Tampa where he gets a Super Bowl with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, who and all I hope it won him. And it was Brady who went to bat for A B and stayed at his house and whatnot. And Arians was not a, a fan of bringing him in and, and he let Brady bring him in. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, you don't know, Frank, it's, um, you know, we could speculate on what's going on with AB. Is it meant? Is it just maybe, is it, you know, what I call that entitlement running amok? It could be whatever you want it to be. There are enablers. Was, did the money make it more of a monster than he already was? You know, but the the end result is he's no longer in the NFL right now. And um, and uh, I'm sure we're going to find out what, what's next. I know he's he, he uh, is launching another rap album or something or whatever he's doing. But but, yeah, I'm sure the AB saga will keep going as long as uh, as long as he's out there in the public eye. So. So, yeah. Do you think, Bronson, that we ever see him in the uniform again? I figured you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I do. I do. I think there's going to be a team that thinks Same. that they can put up with it. I kind of, I don't want to compare them to Terrell Owens, but I feel like maybe this time around, it isn't going to be a team that's over. Like, like I don't think an LA Rams will do it, or I think it'll be a, a middle of the road team that maybe having him puts them over the top. And maybe it's an organization that maybe isn't structurally very buttoned up. And it's like, hey, it, you know, some owners do understand too that not only are they in the sports business, they're also in the entertainment business. And you know, you know, maybe we can tolerate. You know, there's always there's always those football executives and coaches and players who have that hubris of like, oh, we can be the one to change them. Mm-hmm. We can be the one to do it. And I do think we do see him again. I do. I honestly do think we see him again. A lot, a lot of people, you know, ESPN. You know, FS1 or whatever sports outlets have come out, uh, CBS Sports have said no chance. I, I do think we see him again. Um, I don't necessarily know if he'll go to a team in like in the spring or whatever, but I do think if things happen at the very least in the summer, injuries or whatever, I do think someone mm-hmm. will give a phone call. I think as, as long as Antonio Brown has that talent, Frank, but I don't know how many, you know, he's a cat. I don't know how many lives he's got left, Frank, because he is <laughs> approaching 34 years old, and eventually that speed drops off and those playmaking right. abilities do drop off. So, I think maybe if it, I, it's probably got to be in the next year or less. If we don't hear anything from that, then I don't think we see him again. But I think I do think there'll be a team in the offseason that that will have that hubris and think that uh, that they can change him or at least can get even if we can get a few weeks out of him of productivity or we can get, you know, if we can, you know, a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? They can, they can uh, appeal to appease, appease him to his demands. Um, but I don't think that'll be like a, a you know that's not going to be a maybe a Kansas City Frank if Andy Reid has the has the arrogancy of thinking he can keep him in check, but I don't know I, I do but I do think someone gives him a chance. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I I thought maybe Tampa was the one and Brady and winning the Super Bowl ring and kind of quiet last year. No, you know I was very shocked there was no outburst, but in most of this year it took till week seventeen, but. AB went back to being AB and, you know, so, something fabricated in his head saying they, they forced me to play hurt. And then I, I wasn't getting enough targets because he favors Gronk, just like, you know, child, childish well, stuff. I mean, his ankle certainly didn't look like it was hurting when he was jumping up and down, <laughs> uh, walking, uh, coming out of the stage. Doing that. Yeah. So, yeah. The sad thing is, is there is probably something wrong with the head, Bronson. It's probably early onset CTE because CTE. Um, he was kind of a normal, he was always eccentric, but, um, it was uh, that perfect hit in the playoffs in, what was it, 2016, um, ever since that hit, um, really showing signs of kind of going off the deep end. So I hope he gets checked out and gets help if it is that. But um, And then, of course, all the stuff with his caterer, the truck driver, all kinds of drama with women. 
Um, he has a lot of baggage. If a team's going to take him on again, I do see like, so this year, if somebody is an early exit in the playoffs and has tons of expectations, like in LA Rams, um, who went after, you know, did the kind of the same with Odell Beckham. Um, like you said, Kansas City, if they have another year where they don't get back to the Super Bowl and Mahomes and, and Reed think they can reel him in, um, I, I, I think somebody might, but you're like, like you said, the clock's ticking. He's not getting any younger. Um, he's not going to be the same player. So is it worth the baggage and the bad PR? I don't know. So um, he already did get an offer from the USFL. Todd Haley said he's welcome. I saw that. <laughs> Todd Haley's got a head job in the USFL, and Brown already laughed that off and said, I'm playing in the NFL. So Brown, that kind of gave away his hand that he thinks he's going to be back. Um, right. but, but we'll see. If nobody comes calling, he might take it just for the money um, and, and play in, in the, the USFL or the XFL when it comes back. But um, Bob Pompiani said it, or, or I don't know if he made the original tweet or somebody. I think uh, Brooks Kepka might have. Um, we, we ha- we're more likely to see him fight Jake Paul than play in the NFL. Oh, I saw that too. Because, <laughs> you know, Jake Paul fights, tries to get all these celebrities in the ring. So. But no, yeah, it's a sad situation. AB out. You know, Bruce Arian said he was cut in the postgame presser, which they really can't do. Um, so uh, it was a he was still actually a buck until like Tuesday morning when they officially released him. Uh, he he didn't make the team flight home after the jet game. He was actually spotted by people waiting for an Uber to get his own flight. <laughs> Um, but he didn't even fly out. He went to like the Brooklyn Nets game the day after, and <laughs> was sitting courtside. So just kind of a wacky individual never know what's going through his head but uh i don't know bronson and that kind of gets us to the final game um of the week 17 slate and that was steelers and browns on monday night football in pittsburgh and i'm going to turn the floor over to bronson allman on this one because he happened to have tickets to this main event and witnessed it live it was ben roethlisberger's swan song at heinz field uh, the 18-year career coming to an end uh, kind of made the announcement to some teammates and got reported by Rappaport and everyone a few weeks back that this would be Ben's final season. So everybody was circling this game um, on January 3rd in Hines um, of being Ben's last home game. So Bronson, hope you hope you saved the ticket stub and and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you got the witness kind of history as Ben's Ben's sign off at Heinz field to just take us through that night and, uh, the game and the, the atmosphere and everything. Yeah. Um, for, and it's, it stinks now because everything's done electronically. Now we don't get to keep ticket stubs anymore or that's something that would have saved. Um, but no, Frank, uh, my friend, uh, shout out to Brandon Howell, which is a friend of mine. Um, and, uh, he's a listener to the show. Um, but, uh, he had, he got tickets a couple months out in advance. I think he had a hookup or whatever. And it was, he got these tickets way before we knew it would possibly be Ben's last home game. Although you could make an educated guess that it probably would have been. Um, but uh, no, I mean, um, it was all I remember is, you know, it was definitely cold. And, and, and it was, it was, you know, one of the things you realize is okay, it's Ben's last home game. You just hope that he'd have some somewhat of a, a, a solid performance. Go out on top of Heinz Field, at least, you know, get a win. The Steelers definitely needed the win. Their playoff lives were at stake there. So you knew it was a game they had to win. And Cleveland, by this point, due to what happened on Sunday, they were out of the, the playoff conversation. So you knew Cleveland had nothing to play for, really. So um, 
didn't think they were going to lay down and, and, you know, like dead dogs, you know, you know what I mean? But, um, but she knew it was going to be tough because, you know, they didn't have, I don't think they had Cream Hunt, but they did have Nick Chubb. And, um, uh, I knew it was going to be one of those low scoring games, Frankie. And then so, <laughs> so it was just kind of, you know, the weather, the storm a little bit. And, uh, we tailgated out that it was freezing, Frank. I don't know what the temperature was that night, but it definitely felt like it was in the single digits, if not flirting with the, uh, uh, zero and I, I had, was definitely layered out there and uh, uh, but no the seats were great we were in the uh, the open part of the end zone the right corner there so um, in the club seats so big thanks to Brandon uh, for allowing me the opportunity to go and uh, we actually were featured maybe I'll put it on the on the page or whatever the Steelers Nation Unite Facebook page you actually if you remember the gentleman Frank that had the thank you seven with the number seven he was featured prominently on the broadcast we were sitting behind him a little higher than him and you could see the picture. So I'll have to send that to you and we'll be put on the page or whatever, but there it was. And, um, uh, braving the elements at Heinz field and get ready to watch Ben's last home game. And, uh, wasn't bad, Frank. I mean, you know, definitely, definitely we could see that Ben definitely isn't the player he once was, uh, struggling to push the ball down the field. Um, Najee Harris uh, had a solid game until, Right where they needed him, he had that big that big breaking run that uh, sealed the deal for Pittsburgh. There's a lot of field goals, a lot of um, mid midfield battles there. Um, but uh, no, the Steelers pulled out, and I still remember the score was to this. Sorry, I've already blanked out, but I know it was low. Let me look here again. Here, I want to say it was twenty. Yeah, it was twenty six fourteen. I knew the Steelers were in the, it was 24, 26. 26-14 went into the Browns, Frank. Baker Mayfield um, got pretty much beat up, you know, beat badly. Uh, uh, T.J. Watt had four sacks that game, Frank, which uh, we're going to tease going into this next uh, set of previews here. Um, now he was flirting with the uh, single-season sack record that Michael Strahan held. Uh, still holds um, at the, as of this uh, recap. And... Um, he had a great game. Uh, I thought uh, the, the run game was solid. Uh, Fryer moved some key catches, as was Deontay Johnson. Um, and I thought Minka had a decent game. And Witherspoon had a pick in this game. And uh, Raymond McLeod had some key catches as well, Frank. So uh, when all was said and done, 26-14 Pittsburgh Steelers win. Ben gets to go out of Heinz Field. If it is indeed his last game, but I, from the way everything reacted and how it reacted, it seems like it's going to be. Um, there wasn't many people, Frank, who left the stadium after, you know, the clock at zeros. Nobody was really heading to the cars. I think we all knew as fans that this is just a, a monumental moment in Steeler history and football history and just kind of taking it in. And uh, as Ben kind of walked around the field and did interviews and uh, um, I don't know how far the TV uh, broadcast kept going, but uh, uh, they played uh, Foo Fighters, My Hero. Um so it was cool. The crowd was kind of singing that a little bit as he was walking around. And um, it was just a very sentimental moment, Frank. Uh, I might have been chopping some onions there. You know, you just, you know, all we've known, you know, we were we were seniors in high school when Ben's rookie year was in uh, effect there in Pittsburgh. So we've seen Ben his whole career. And, um, you know, just a, a long standard of, of, of winning and, um the Steelers will now have officially never been Ben will officially have never had a losing season as a, as a Steelers quarterback. Um, and there was years they didn't make the playoffs, but they've never had a losing season. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, and you know, obviously Tomlin, you know, this 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 solidified the fact that Tomlin was not going to have a losing season. Uh, at the very least, they could finish five hundred. Um, but uh, no, it was it was cold there at the end, Frank. But <laughs> I think everyone everyone braved the elements to just kind of take that moment in. And like Ben said after the interview or any of you after the game, that it was something he wishes he could have put in a bottle and kept forever. And it did, did get emotional when he was at the tunnel and uh, his wife and his his, uh, his, th- his three children were there. So, um, and when he walked down the tunnel, he kind of knew that was it, you know, possibly will be the last time he walks out of the tunnel as a Steeler uh, there. In a, um, but no, it was, it was great to be a part of history like that, Frank. I've never really been to a few games where history kind of was made like that. So it was a, it was an honor to be there to see that and something you know um, that I'll remember for the rest of my life really. Yeah, Bronson, great job chronicling that. And uh, yeah, it's something that uh, really cool for you to have that memory um, of being at Ben's final game. Um, and like you broke down the game while well, it was kind of an ugly game. Steelers didn't look great. Kind of look how they looked all year. Yeah, um, unable to really score points and you know string together drives, um, pick up third downs. Um, obviously the offensive line all year has been an issue and, you know, Ben getting sacked and not establishing the run and Harris having to do everything, even though, you know, behind a pretty, pretty porous offensive line defense, keeping them in it. Cause they're getting pretty healthy and Watts always, you know, in the, in the opposing quarterback's face. And, um, they find a way to get it done. You know, a Cleveland team that was kind of undermanned and playing with an injured Mayfield and, you know, nothing to play for. The Steelers he take got, care. He got beat up pretty bad, Frank. Yeah, sacked nine times. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, then I guess they announced, you know, the, the morning after, maybe after the game, uh, they shut Mayfield down for the year. He went <laughs> He went and had the surgery. So. Right, right. Um, yeah, so the Steelers keep their slim playoffs hopes alive by winning it. Um, and the ending was just very bittersweet with Ben and the kids. And, you know, he kind of didn't want to leave. He was trying to prolong it as long as he could. So he did kind of a Cal Ripken um, yeah. type lap where he high-fived everybody in the front row, which was really cool. He went kind of like a third of the way around the stadium. I thought he well, was going to maybe go the whole way. but I thought, I thought like, the, uh, like the irony or the, you know what I mean, like the, the pure irony is when he walked around part of the stadium and then he walked over to his sidelines and he sat on the bench with his head down because if we remember the last time Cleveland was at Heinz, it was a playoff matchup. And that's yeah. what it was the irony of the same kind of situ- same picture. Yeah. And that was, now he was just kind of taking it in as a, as a win in his last home game. Yeah. That was the famous opposed- photo with Pouncey because it was Pouncey's last ride. And Ben, yeah. was, Ben was emotional because he couldn't get Pouncey further in the playoffs. But um, no, I mean, a way to tie a bow in a career, you do go out with a win. Most people didn't have the Steelers making the playoffs, so they would have had one more game left in Baltimore, but it was his last home game. Um, maybe just go out with a couple of wins, even though you won't make the playoffs. But um, where it stood, and, you know, I'm a playoff machine, uh, you know, that tool on ESPN, I'm always messing with it. And, you know, after every game was in the books for week 17, I started plugging things in. And, of course, media outlets were reporting the scenarios as well, but I like to figure them out myself. And, uh, you know, what it was going to take would be a Steeler win in Baltimore, um, an indie loss in Jacksonville against the 2-14 and 14 Jags. Um, and then, and this is the funny one, is I've told Bronson this in the past, uh, L.A., the LA chargers and Las Vegas Raiders could tie and both make the playoffs. Um, 
So the Steelers would have to hope for that game to just have a winner. Um, neither, you know, not for the teams to tie. And I had joked and I had talked about that was chronicled on the last episode of this show. Right. Remember that? Remember you said that I've, I've talked to Bronson on and off air about this. It happened in 2016, 2017 green Bay and Detroit. They could have shaken hands, um, and said, you know what, let's play to a zero, zero tie. Let's kneel down on the ball the entire game, or let's just not play it at all. Let's tell the fans you can have a refund. We're not playing the game at all. We're accepting a tie um, because, you know, if you play it and you risk losing, you don't make it. Uh, you hedge your bets a little bit and both teams make it. Um, now, texting back and forth with you and Jay Cortez, our buddy, was actually interested in this, too, and was texting me all week. He's like, Frank, can the, the Raiders and Chargers just agree to not play and both make it? And I was like, man, this has been on my mind, Jay. And um, I I didn't hear a lot of media outlets talking about it, but I'm thinking Goodell and the NFL offices would not permit something like totally canceling the game and saying it's a zero zero tie. Um, you talk about integrity of the game, um, all the ad money, all the ticket money, um, just respect for the game. Um, it's, I just didn't see that happening, but what I did see possibly happening Bronson is if it does get to a late fourth quarter overtime situation where they've tried to win all game and done the right thing. Um, if it gets to late in the game tied, you can't really blame one of the coaches for playing conservative because a pick six beats you and knocks you out a block yeah. field goal that gets run back a block punt that gets run back. If you're tied, you might be best served kneeling on it and just tying. So just to bring it all together. Um, well, what, what made, what made the drama as we to say the drama even bigger was the fact that this game was flexed to a Sunday night game, <laughs> right? So the game that determined everything was was the Sunday night game. <laughs> yeah. So and and what had happened, and we didn't get there yet, but the the improbable um, result of Jacksonville taking care of the Colts and the Colts for the seventh year in a row go down to Jacksonville and lose um, a Jacksonville team. Well, hold which... on. Before before we get we kick this into the year. Remember, because I remember we texted about it, and you we were kind of throwing our theories out. You threw that theory out, and I go, I go. I feel like in the upset of upsets, the Jaguars are going to win, but the Steelers won't take care of business. Right. Even and, though and I had it, predicted early in the, in the preseason that they would be, this is a game Pittsburgh win. I would go, watch Jacksonville win and the Pittsburgh just not take care of it. And, and that, you know, usually shows we have uh, themes here, Frank. You know, you have you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about getting right. I think this week was the theme of it was handling your business and handle yeah. their business. And uh, I figured, I was, I was like, watch Jacksonville beat Indianapolis. The Steelers not handle their business. And then they, they go home. But no, um, and I'm going to kick it off to you to kind of tell everyone what happened if they had not watched the games on Sunday. So I'm going to table the Steelers Ravens and the Colts Jags. and Which were the, happening at the same time, by the yeah. way, if you're listening, didn't know this. Um, and then Chargers Raiders. I'm going to go yes. through the, the rest of the league just to, to, to see where everybody landed and what games meant stuff seed, seeding wise. Um, we had... Green Bay and Detroit not really matter. Green Bay clinched home field. Yeah, Green so they, Bay's JV team here. They took Rodgers out, and the Lions were able to get a win. Um, Browns and Bengals um, didn't really mean anything, so the Bengals didn't really care to win. Um, they had the four seed in the AFC North wrapped up. 
Um, Vikings, Bears, no implications. Football team, Giants, no implications. Um, Titans and Texans. Now, the Titans went down to Houston needing a win to wrap up that one seed. We said yeah. that uh, the Chiefs lost to the Bengals, opened the door for that last week. And uh, Tennessee got up 21 nothing, and it was like, oh, they're cruising. Uh, to the to the number one seed. And the Chiefs had played Saturday and won in Denver. Uh, and they kind of took it very late um, into that game, but did win to keep the pressure on the Titans. Um, and Dallas won on Saturday as well to, I think, secure their seeding at the, I, I want to say that they're the three seed. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, Tennessee gets up 21 nothing, and they're cruising to that one seed. But Houston, to their credit, um, and what's that quarterback's name, Bronson? Davis Mills. Davis Mills. He's starting to become like maybe this guy's going to get the the helm, get the reins from here. Stanford, right? Is he from Stanford? Yeah, Stanford quarterback, not highly touted, but might end up being the guy there because he leads them all the way back, and they get within a, a field goal. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, early on, I'm thinking if the Steelers have a shot, um, we're playing Kansas City. Um, we would, we would like to see maybe Tennessee lose and, and maybe the Steelers would get the Titans. So I'm kind of rooting for Houston to come back so that if the Steelers do sneak into the playoffs, we're playing Tennessee and not Casey, but it wasn't, it wasn't the case. Uh, they do hold on and win by three and wrap up the one seed in the bye. So green Bay and Tennessee are the one seeds. Um, the saints had slim hopes. They had to win and have the Niners lose. Um, so the Saints do take care of business against division rival Atlanta, um, 30 to 20 in Atlanta. Buffalo needed a win to clinch the East and they got it. They luckily uh, were. They, yeah, they needed a win or a New England loss. Right. And actually both happened. So yeah, and actually were, the Patriots lost before the Bills won the game. So they had like around like mid fourth quarter. They had a little bit of like a little breathing bit of a room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wild one of the day was Niners Rams. And this one was 17 nothing Rams in the second quarter. Um, but storming back uh, to win it in overtime, the Niners, they pick off Matt Stafford on a walk-off interception. Yep. They, they took a three-point lead, so the, the, the Rams got the ball to try to match it or get a touchdown to win. Um, but the interception ended the game. So it was a walk-off interception, which get, got them into the playoffs. Niners was clinching, you're in, winning, you're in. Yeah. And uh, so major drama there in L.A. Uh, Rams still get in, and they get the four seed. They um, faltered down the stretch, Frank. And, and a lot of it, too, was, you know, the uh, the uh, the tendencies of Matt Stafford to kind of not take care of the football back when he was in Detroit. It was kind of mm-hmm. kind of creeping on him now. It yeah, you said last it, it the last here. two games, yeah. It's kind of creeping back in here now, and it costs them against the 49ers, Frank, you know. But the, there is, uh, and I'll be saying this, life after death. There is life after death of the Rams because they will get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do make the playoffs even though they lose this game to San Francisco. And I could be wrong, but I think with that loss and these games were at the same time, um, the Cardinals could have won and took the NFC West. But... I, do think, I think you were right. But they lose another home game and and go to three <laughs> yeah. to Seattle, who was not in the playoffs. Yeah, they weren't playing for anything. So they have to be, and this ends up they end up the wild card, and they have to go on the road to the Rams. So that scenario would have been flipped, and they would have had it at home. But maybe they're thinking they're a better road team anyway, and they want to be on the road in the wild card weekend. And then, uh, no, I, I just wanted to recap quickly that Dolphins Patriots game. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Patriots go down to Hard Rock Stadium. Frank, they lose to the Dolphins uh, 33-24 there. Uh, but as I said about the last, you know, the Niners-Rams, there was life after death for the Patriots as they will be in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't matter. The Dolphins didn't make the playoffs, but they had a winning season. Um, Got to give all the credit. And um, we're going to... Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to bury. I'm not going to spoil what's going to happen, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, we will cover the Dolphins here uh, v- very shortly. But uh, they do beat the Patriots, but uh, they don't. Still, they really had nothing to play for at that point. The Patriots and, and Bills were playing for the East, and uh, Patriots lose, but still get in the playoffs. Frankie. Yeah. So the final three games that I want to talk about are the ones that um, had all the implication for the Steelers, and you know the ser- the scenario I laid out: Steelers beat Baltimore. Colts lose somehow find a way to lose to the hapless Jaguars and then we we literally just need the Chargers and Raiders to not tie because if there was a three-way tie at nine seven and one uh, the Chargers and Raiders both beat us so there's two spots and three teams vying for it and the Chargers and Raiders would have got those spots based on head-to-head tiebreakers so result number one at the same time Steelers win Colts lose um Steelers are going to knock out, drag out fight with Baltimore all day in the rain, not doing anything offensively. Um, a big touchdown by Latavius Murray kind of took the wind out of my sails. Um, it's 10-3 Baltimore, third quarter. I'm thinking to myself, the Steelers can't move the ball game. Um, we're not going to put together a drive to get a touchdown in this game. Um, and can we get enough stops to maybe kick Boswell field goals and somehow win this thing 12, 10. <laughs> um, but no, uh, something happens in like the fourth quarter and Ben starts putting together drives. He's Vintage hitting, Ben. <laughs> yeah. He's hitting Fryermuth. He's hitting Ray, Ray McLeod, Najee who, who missed the first three quarters comes back in with a bummed elbow and, is is running the ball all over the place and the Steelers, you know, um put together a claypool touchdown drive and take the lead and you know a little bit too much time because Huntley and company lead Baltimore down and tie it uh because Tucker is automatic. Uh, yeah. so this so the Steelers are going into overtime. But during the whole day, the Jaguars just jumped all over the Colts. They're up, you know, six meanwhile, Frank, while this game's happening, not to keep letting you off. Mm-hmm. They're playing the Steelers and Ravens are playing this game at MT Bank Stadium. If you're wearing a black and gold jersey or if you're wearing a purple and black jersey, it doesn't matter what, you're all pulling for the Jags to be right. the Colts. Yeah, the Ravens were still alive. The Ravens needed um I they think needed more things to happen than just Yeah, the- they needed a dolphin loss, which didn't happen. Um, but at the time they thought they were alive. So um yeah, they're they're both big time Jag fans. But um, yeah, we're watch- I'm watching red zone all game. I'm seeing seven nothing, thirteen nothing, yeah, um, thirteen three, nineteen three, twenty six three, and it's like, man, th- this is getting later and later. The Colts aren't going to figure this out. And I'm watching Wentz get sacked on third down, fumbling. Um, oh, I'm like, Frank. I'm like, oh my god, this is going to happen. And then to your scenario, can you believe this is going to happen? But we're going to lose anyway. And then I'm thinking to myself, these darn Ravens are going to get in off like a five game lose streak losing streak somehow get in but no yeah. it, it it goes to overtime they send ben out you know his final game he loses a toss and i'm ripping ben i'm like ben why don't you pick <laughs> tails why don't you pick tails tails never fails so we lose a toss and luckily a tucker field goal just can't beat you there's a new rule so yeah and we actually force a punt so you know the ball's in our court where uh you know a field goal for us wins it um, a tie does us no good. We don't want to finish eight, seven and two. 
There hasn't been a two tie team since like the 1970s. Um, <laughs> so we have to win. And, and we piece together a drive, getting a bunch of third downs, getting a fourth down and eight to Ray Ray on that little scoopy shoestring caught it. It was the play of the game. Ray Ray's been coming up big in the passing game. He's not just a returner and uh, big time filling the sho- shoes of uh, Juju after the injury. Ray Ray, you know, big part of the offense now on, on some some run plays, on some end around, some jet sweeps. Uh, and in the passing game, catches a shoestring fourth and eight because the Steelers were in no man's land. They couldn't really punt. They couldn't they couldn't go f- uh, kick a field goal. But uh, that gets him into range. Fryer moves some huge catches on third down. Yeah. And, and it all sets up Boswell. And uh, from 47-ish yards. Um, no, it certainly uh, wasn't a chip shot. No, automatic Boswell again. A great season. I think he's like, you know, 27 out of 30 or something. Um, kicks the Steelers to a win. And then you see the clock tick off on Jacksonville's win. In, in, uh, they, they pull the improbable off, you know. They, and, they go yeah. down to. <laughs> and you're thinking it's happening. Um, and, and then, but then your mind goes to all the scenarios with the night game and all the talk and Tim Benz was on <laughs> now Friday afternoon, um, driving home from work. I'm listening to Tim Benz kind of steal my thunder and say like, <laughs> and say like literally Brandon Staley and Rich, Rich Basaccia are going to just snap the ball and kneel three times and, and then the, the other team snapped the ball and kneel. And he actually figured out the timing. It would take 47 kneels or something like that <laughs> from each team. And it goes into the books as a zero, zero tie. And he's tweeting. They're going to kneel 47 times in this, just to keep the Steelers out. It's the smart thing. It's the smart thing to do. They should tie. So it comes down to this. And Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are all giddy about it. They're like, do you believe that tonight these teams could agree to tie and both make it? We'll see what happens. Will they try to win? Now, the, the, the I never the, thought in a million years, Frank, that this was actually going to happen. Like in no, the afternoon, I'm celebrating the win. I'm celebrating the Jags beating the Colts. Like, I'm like, I don't even think for a second, like, I know it's a possibility, but I'm like, this isn't going to happen. Like this, this can't happen. Right. right. And you hear um, it was Staley, the coach of the Chargers, in a press conference say, we have too much respect for the game. We're going to let it play out. There's that whole element of trying to knock the other team out. You know, and a, a lot of the big the big analogy of the day was um, if it were Steelers Ravens, would you want to tie and let the Ravens in? Yeah. Um, or like so. You kind of think about it, and no, you're going to try to beat their butts and knock them out to send them to the offseason, send them to the golf course. But um, And this is a division rival, Chargers and Raiders. We don't know it as much, but they they hate each other too. They've been rivals for many years in that AFC West. So the whole game, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Steeler fans are rooting for one team to just get way ahead. And... Um, it kind of happened. It was 29, 15 Raiders fourth quarter. I think I'm starting yeah. to, I'm starting to think this is looking good. Well, it all starts to get a little bit hairy when it's 29, 22 and then a, a turnover and, and chargers have it. And, you know, late in the game, it, they get a two point conversion after a touchdown. And I'm thinking, crap, now it's a seven point game. This is like the points are adding up to where it could happen. 
Well, the Chargers get it back with like a buck 40 left and needing a touchdown. And I mean, Bronson, I, I don't know how many times, <laughs> how many fourth and tens can you convert? Yeah, um, that drive was crazy. And you and I were texting each other frantically throughout this drive. It was really fun. Um, we were th- just thinking how fun this show is going to be. But uh, they get a fourth and ten. They get a fourth and ten. They get a defensive hold and a new set of downs. They get another fourth and ten. And they literally have one play left with two seconds from like the 20-yard line. And they need to throw a 20-yard touchdown. And the Raiders know what's coming. And there it goes to to Williams, number eighty one, right in the breadbasket touchdown. Yep. And then some people even were, then, Frank, even then, I still didn't think we were going to get a tie. Well, they, well, then some people are saying, well, Staley should go for two. And here's my thought to that: absolutely zero percent, no, no way, way. <laughs> because you either you either win or like you either tie in overtime or you win in overtime. Like you got to maybe you think at this point you could play for the tie. The so risk they, is huge there. Right. So they they go for one and it goes to overtime. And that's when everybody in Steelers nation is sweating bullets. Well, and if, well not to if, cut you off, but remember, yeah. like during the broadcast, there was actually Steeler fans at the game, people wearing Steeler jeans. Right. Which is really weird. And they were showing them with hands on head. Like they would look so miserable. <laughs> and, and Al Michaels was hilarious the whole time going, yeah, and what do you think people in Pittsburgh are doing right now? What do you think Mike Tomlin thinks? And then Collinsworth just like, what do you think now, Al? As this goes to overtime, I mean, are they taking knees? Are they not going to want to? So it just got crazy. And in overtime, only ten minute session. Um, if a couple teams punt, it starts to get scary because if there's two possessions and two punts, you're down to like four minutes, yeah. three three minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, if it gets that low, they are just going to run run the clock out and, and take it and. Um, you know, so I'm hoping for the first team to get a touchdown, you know, no matter who it is, I don't care. I'm not rooting for, I I just want one team to get a touchdown. So it doesn't happen. They punt. So now I'm like, okay, first team punted. Now we just need the the next team to get a field goal. So let's march it down and get a field goal. Nope. They punt. So it's that scenario of about three minutes to go and the Raiders get it back. And I'm thinking, okay, Raiders, um, okay, Coach Passaccia, here's your chance. I said, please try here. And, and they do, and they get it to like midfield, and there's like 30 seconds left. And this is when everybody in Pittsburgh is just at the edge of their seats. Yep. And I'm starting to think they're in no man's land. There's no reason to punt here because you think back to like Michigan State, Michigan, Har- Harbaugh's punts, and, and it gets blocked. And they're not really going to get 15 more yards to kind of get into field goal range. Is it worth the risk of a fumble? But um, t- clock is ticking down and Staley calls a timeout and there's 30 seconds left. Why the chargers call a timeout? I don't know because a tie for them is good enough. They don't really need to try to get a stop and get the ball back and go for the win. Calls a timeout when it looks like the Raiders are content to maybe kneel on it and take the tie. But you see the sideline kind of saying, since they called a timeout, let's run one more play. So they run one more play, and Jacobs gets like a 12-yard run. Yep. And, I'm, and I'm flipping out at this because I'm like, this is it. This, this run gets them enough to get them into field goal range. So there's two seconds left, and they call timeout. And this was such drama because Derek Carr is standing there with the ref, and he could have just let it run out. And it, yeah. you know, he, he didn't give away his hand. He's like, do they let it out and get to the playoffs? Or do they call a timeout and try to win? 
So he signals time out at two seconds. And again, not myself and everybody in Pittsburgh. Well, I knew when he was next to the refs, I was he's like, probably going to do the timeout thing. Yeah. You know? Like if he wasn't, he'd be nowhere near the officials. Correct. So they would be starting to like take helmets off and shake hands. But um, yes. so, so be it. They kind of want that theory of, you know what? We play to win the game and we want to knock our rival out. And we're, it's only a 42 yarder. Now the big risk and Mark Madden said this. He says the Raiders are stupid. Um, as you, the field goal gets blocked and returned for a touchdown, and you literally are doing a play that risks you missing the playoffs when a, when a kneel down gets you into the playoffs. So it, yeah. there was a, a slight element of risk, but block field goals are really rare. I get it, and they they thought they had it. So they line up, and then you're hoping as the Steelers, this field goal has to be good because uh, you know a missed field goal ends the game in a tie. So, I mean, the most nervous Bronson I have ever been for a sporting event, I think, in my life. Like, and, and <laughs> I mean, probably not like Stanley Cup finals and Super Bowls, but non championship involving Pittsburgh. Um, most nervous I've ever been. As that kicks in the air, I'm like, oh my God, is it good? Is it good? Is it good? And when it's good, I just, I fell to the floor. I fell to the floor and I started like, you know, I am not worthy to to the Raiders and Basaccia. <laughs> I said to my wife, "The said autumn my, wind is a Raider." I said to my wife, "I will forever be a Raider fan if they're not playing the Steelers." And I tons of respect to Derek Carr <laughs> and, and tons of respect to Basaccia for trying to win the game and and kind of helping the Steelers out. Maybe, so. hey, maybe. Derek Carr did this because he knows he might be he's the next coming team's here. Right. <laughs> I was talking about that too. I'm like, he's trying to help his future team out is what I was saying. But no, I mean, hearing him in the post game, it sounds like he, he's going to be a Raider for life. Like they should lock him up because I know he's not the best quarterback out there, but he loves it there. And his teammates love him. He's a gamer. Um, so I think he resigns there, but it, everything happened. Bronson, they entered the day with a 4% chance and literally everything happened. And your Pittsburgh Steelers qualify for the playoffs. Now the now the, hold on, uh, the hold on. congratulations uh, Steelers, you make the playoffs. Now you have to go to Airhead and play Kansas City. Right. Yeah, that's about <laughs> what I was gonna say. Is your prize is you get to go to KC. Now that's a little bit of a layer, and and, and why the Raiders maybe wanted to win is a tie. Sen- a tie sends them to Arrowhead. Um, a win sends them to Cincinnati against maybe an inexperienced you know Bengal team. So if they're thinking about that at all after they got beat 48 to nine in Arrowhead a month ago, um, that has to factor in too. You kind of can improve your seating um, yeah. with a win. You know, you're a, you're the seven seed with a, with a tie and you're a five seed with a win. So just, just playing for the tie isn't a 100% lock when you can improve your seed by two seeds. So I think that played into it as well. And uh, just thankfully, they they did it, and the Steelers somehow. I, Pompey Annie at post game was just like laughing. There was like nothing to do but laugh about everything that happened that day. The most nerve wracking and crazy twelve hours as a sports fan I can remember in a long time. Um, well, I don't know if you remember this. I don't. I don't, I don't think Thirty for Thirty did. I think Fox Sports did it. But remember, uh, yeah, I haven't watched it yet. It's still my DVR. I have yet to watch it. Maybe I'll watch it for a future uh, recording episode. But um, Fox Sports did a documentary on night 162 of MLB. Remember that night when everyone, like, 
everyone had to win all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about. You're the yeah, 20, 2011 MLB Network always talks about it. Like yeah. Orioles walk off homer, Red Sox blowing it late. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, FS1 did a documentary on that. It's called like The Night to Change Baseball or something. Yeah. I forget what it's called. But um, I feel like there might be a 30 for 30 or a documentary down the line on like this night. Like, I totally could see that happening. Yeah, and I just couldn't get over um, Collinsworth and Michaels just laughing at the situation and saying, can you believe this? Like, in that uh, Al Michaels voice. The thing like, is, Frank, like, this would have been a huge PR nightmare for the NFL. Like, there would have been, like, people would have been having investigations of it being fixed. Like, right. you would have had, you would have had, <laughs> you would have had litigation and everything on this. I really believe that if that had ended at a tie. How about Tomlin saying, um, that he just slept through it. it I don't believe easy. him, not one bit. <laughs> I and, don't and believe him. There's a good video. Ben was FaceTiming with a friend, and they posted that um, dur- during it. And he he had like paused the DVR, so the yeah. friend the friend was ahead and like was celebrating the the Carlson kick. And Ben was like, "What happened? What do you mean?" And and the same thing happened with Ray Ray. They interviewed Ray Ray, and he was like, "I was behind on my DVR, and people were texting me like crazy." And I'm like, "What happened?" <laughs> Oh my god. But yes, the Steelers are traveling to Arrowhead. And and ironically, that game is the NBC Sunday night game. Yeah, right. So which I was it's like the worst time slot. I was hoping we would get Saturday or Sunday afternoon, but yeah, so I guess that transitions just well, Bronson. We covered a crazy week eighteen and um and we can actually get into wild card weekend now and the playoffs. The playoffs are upon us. There'll be six games now on opening weekend because of the extra playoff team and and only the one bye. So um it all gets kicked off Saturday um with a double header and it ends up being the four the five seed. I was trying to tee you off here. <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. It's time for this talk, Frank. Uh, playoffs? What are you talking about? <laughs> playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. <laughs> that actually was Jim Moore. That was not Frank Reich. That, that, that was, <laughs> right, right. was not Frank Reich. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the first the first doubleheader is on Saturday. Um and it's the it's those Raiders that got that last minute win. And, the and like I, wind is a raider. And like I said, they they bumped themselves all the way up to the five seed uh, with that win, and they so which which gets them a matchup with the four seed AFC North champion Bengals. Um, this is going to be a good game. These teams met in Las Vegas um, just a few weeks ago, um, so it is a rematch. Um, going to be a, a good one. Uh, the early line looks like Bengals five and a half. Um, that is more than I think I would have put it at. I would have given the Bengals a three point uh, spread with uh, just for home field. Um, so I might be if I was a better, I might be taking the Raiders and the points here. Um, so that's your four or five matchup in the AFC. And then the nightcap is on CBS, um, which is um, the Patriots at the Bills. And it's kind of cool, Bronson, that this is going to be uh, the 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 rubber match. Um, both these teams won on the road this year, um, and that big win for the Bills in in Foxborough clinched them the division, so they get the right to have this game at home. 
So even though the road team won the first two, I think the Bills are pretty happy about getting the, getting the home game here. Um, do you want to um, uh, do you want to do predictions now, or do you want to just lay them out and then then go game by game? Let me lay them out and then do do the predictions okay. at the end. Um, this one has Buffalo a four point favorite. Um, I'm pulling for Buffalo. We both have them in the Super Bowl, so. And I, you know, obviously Pittsburghers here. We don't like New England. I don't want to see Belichick go any further than he can. Um, Mac Jones, the rookie, um, it's going to be a close one. Um, they're calling for single-digit temperatures, so that's going to be a factor uh, at the night slot. Night, uh, three three degrees is is the predicted temperature. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. I don't know if there's snow in the forecast, but really cold. Um, I hope the Bills win for sure. Um, then we turn to Sunday. There's a triple header Sunday. So football fans just in the NFL and, and they they love the money here. Just uh, all these wild card games. That's why they added the extra team. Um, get you started one o'clock on Fox. This will be your Aikman and Buck because um, it's the only Fox game of the weekend. Um, it is Eagles and Bucks. Uh, these teams also met in the regular season. Um, and the Bucks took care of business. Uh, this one's in Tampa. You really don't think that the Eagles have that much of a shot in this game. With uh, although Tampa, you know, without Chris Godwin and now of course without a B, a little thin at weapons for Brady, but he does have those those three good tight ends, Howard and Braid and Gronk, and he still has Mike Evans, um, and a lot of the young receivers now are getting a chance to step up. Uh, so yeah, Sarah Grayson, yeah. Eight and a half point favorites. Um, I like, I, you know, I think Tampa should be able to take care of business. Um, the four o'clock time slot Sunday is an old school 80s, 90s matchup. 49ers, Cowboys. Uh, 49ers get the final spot there by that big comeback win in the last week of the year. Um, this, uh, and I should mention the seating, the Eagles and Bucks is this, the two seven matchup. Um, the, the Patriots and Bills is the three-six matchup in the AFC. Um, Raiders were able to leapfrog the Patriots uh, to secure that um, and not have to go to Buffalo, so they don't have to go to Buffalo or KC by that win. So um, two-seven in the NFC is the Eagles, Bucks, 49ers, Cowboys is the six-three or three-six matchup. Um, Cowboys, you know, are a three-point favorite. I thought they would actually have a higher spread than that. They're giving the Niners a lot of credit here. Um, all these games should be good, of course. I think they're all. They're, most of them are going to be close. Um, and then, of course, the nightcap Sunday, as you mentioned, the NBC, um, which is probably going to be. I don't know if we'll get Al Michaels or Mike Tirico because there is a Saturday afternoon game on NBC. Um, we'll probably prime time get Michaels and Collinsworth. Um, so that one's at eight fifteen on Sunday night. Um, a lot of people are comparing 2005 Bronson, where we got no. we got walloped by the Colts in the no, regular no. season, and then acted revenge in the playoffs. I don't see it happening. It's house money at this point. You know, the Steelers had that crazy scenario to get here. I don't give us much of a chance against the Chiefs. At least we made it. It's one more playoff game for Ben Swansong. Really don't see us standing a chance. We are a 12 and a half point underdog. Um, they steamrolled us a few weeks ago. Um, 
the only thing going for the Steelers is we're getting healthier. Hassenauer and Green and Dan Moore should all be back, so we don't have to run LeGlue out there anymore. The LeGlue that holds the line together. <laughs> um, and some of the other scrubs that we were playing on the O-line. Um, and, you know, who knows? I, Steelers hopefully keep it interesting and not get blown out. But that's the Sunday night game. And then one game left, Bronson. This is a, an NFL first. Um, a Monday night football. Um, Hold on, Frank. Before you get that, before you get rolling on the Monday game. Okay. Just add a little, little, just add a little, little flair to the to your Pittsburgh Kansas City matchup. This is Nick Wright, courtesy of FS1. Okay. Better than a buy. This is actually better than a buy. <laughs> get some cardio in, knock off some rust. Cardio. I have no chance of losing. <laughs> I can work on some things and be just rolling when the playoffs actually start for the Chiefs <laughs> the same weekend they've always started for the Chiefs under Mahomes, the divisional round. The NFL did some funny things with the playoffs where instead of the top two seeds get a bye, only the number one seed. Gets yeah, yeah, that's Nick Wright, courtesy of FS1. <laughs> totally writing off the Steelers, which I don't blame them. A lot of people are um, a little bit over the top there, but um, you obviously want the bye if you can get it. You can rest people. You don't risk injuries, um, all that. The Chiefs would rather have a bye, but uh, he's being facetious. But yeah, one game left Monday night, and it, like I said, first ever Monday night football wild card game. Yeah. In this, ends, this ends up being the Cardinals and the Rams. Like I said, it's that 4-5 matchup in the NFC. Um, it ended up being the Rams at home because they, you know, both teams lost on the last week of the season, and so the seating kind of held there. Um, this is also a divisional matchup, so it will be a rubber match third, third time around that they're going at it. Um, and that one will be in LA. So, um, yeah, that's, that's your wild card weekend, Bronson. Um, I will go through here and, and give you my picks and then I'll see what you think and see how many we agree on or disagree on. Um, Raiders Bengals kicking it off on Saturday. Um, Pretty emotional game for the Raiders going late into the night on week 18, having to fly east. Um, the Bengals are red hot. Um, Burrow to chase all the other wide receivers he has. Joe Mixon. Um, I think the Bengals get a win here. I think at home, um, I got the Bengals. Um, I think Basaccia's Cinderella season comes to an end. Um, I don't know if the Bengals will be one and done. They might not, you know, but still to get a playoff win. Now, Bronson, they have not had a playoff win since 1991. And he's teed me up, folks, because when he turns it over to me right now, that he's right. The last playoff win was January 6th, 1991 against the Houston Oilers, Frank, back when the Oilers were still in Houston. 30 years. Bronson and I were just out of diapers. We're five-year-olds. <laughs> since then, since that day, Frank, the the Cincinnati Bengals would not make the playoffs again until Janu January 8th, 2006, <laughs> when they would lose to Big Ben, the Steelers, the infamous Carson uh, um Carson Palmer, Kimo von Olhoffen game. Injury. Uh, yeah. They would lose that game to the Steelers. Okay. Cincinnati would not return to the playoffs until four more years later, January 9th, 2010, when they would lose to an upstart rookie from USC named Mark Sanchez as he piloted <laughs> the Jets past the Cincinnati Bengals. 
and route making the AFC title game where they had eventually, I believe that was the year they lost to the Colts, I do believe. Two years later, Frank, they would make the playoffs again. They would travel to, at that time, Reliance Stadium to take on the Houston Texans. And actually, uh, Matt Shaw was injured that game, Frank, and thought they had easy pickings when a guy named TJ Yates was the starter that game. But TJ Yates from North Carolina had the game of his life, and they defeated the Bengals and kept the Bengals from yet a chance for a playoff win there. They would actually come back the next year, again first round, going to Reliance Stadium to take on the Texans. This time they would face a healthy Arian Foster and Matt Schaub, and they and they uh, and they would lose again to the Texans that year. Frank, they would come back the next year, make the playoffs, lose to Philip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers in the first round. 2015, they would lose to Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. They would travel to Lucas Oil Stadium, lose to the Colts there. 2016, the infamous Jeremy Hill fumble. Um, AJ McCarron, remember he, remember Andy Dalton was her. Angie AJ McCarron uh, uh, nearly won the game. They almost beat the Steelers. Frank, uh, give credit to the Steelers defense forcing that fumble from Jeremy Hill, and then of course the uh, Vontez perfect incident with AB. And, Joey Porter and Pac-Man Jones, et cetera, et cetera. Steelers kicked a field goal. They go away with the win there. Cincinnati Bengals playoff droughts continue there, which leads us to present day. No, I'm not, I'm not making, I'm not narrating a Terminator movie, Frank, but in January 15th, 2022, they will play the Las Vegas Raiders. And I do believe they beat, they beat uh, Vegas in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. And guess what, Frank? That was the regular season. I think Versace's got they got some footage. They've got some notes. I think Derek Carr has he's seen the battle in the playoffs. He's been there before. This is Joe Burrow's first playoffs. I'm sorry. History tells me not to trust the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm not going to trust them this time. I am taking the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, so in Bronson, I wouldn't uh, be totally shocked. Yeah. If uh, if this happened, because it is an inexperienced Bengal group in their first kind of go around, maybe they have to to lose to figure out before they can figure out how to win. But uh, no, this this should be a tight one, and maybe the Raiders do do run the momentum, and uh, it's going to be a tall task to go to to head east and win on the road. But yeah, I see this one coming down to the wire. So already this is making for good podcasting as Bronson <laughs> and I disagree on the first one. So uh, listen, not to, not to swear too much, but you kicked my ass last year because I think every week I bet against Brady and you bet for Brady. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Patriots Bills, you know, I'm just going with my my heart here and not you know, in saying I'm taking the Bills um, They're at home. It's going to be cold weather. Um, I think Allen does enough with his ability to run um, that it's not going to be a repeat of the wind game that uh, Mac Jones yeah. and company won. The first time around. So I got the Bills in this one. Yeah, Frank, I agree with you as well. I think Josh Allen, the Bills, the, the run they had last year, they had that experience. And uh, this will be Mac Jones's, of course, first playoff game. He'll be a rookie. And yeah. I don't think it'll be the the blizzard that was on Monday night where they basically all just ran the ball and like threw one pass. I think this will be a more catch as catch can game, a little more points on the board. And yes, Frank, mm-hmm. I do agree with you on this one that the Bills are going to win this game. Eagles and Bucks moving on the Sunday. I think we can probably quickly both agree the Bucks should take care of business here. Um, yes, barring a you know crazier things have happened, but at home, Eagles kind of sneaking in as a seven seed. 
Um, Jalen Hurts, young and inexperienced. Brady, Brady going on all cylinders. They should win that one. If this is in Philly. I would, I would have given Philly more of a chance, but if they're yeah. going down to Raymond James Stadium, I'm giving this to the Bucks. Yeah, it would have had to maybe think about it a little bit um, if it was in Philly. But yeah, um, Niners and Cowboys. I don't know what to think of this game because I've seen like the tale of two Cowboy teams this year. When they've been good, they've been great, and when they've been bad, they've been horrible. Um, the Niners, I don't know how much I trust Jimmy G, but they do have such weapons in Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Bosa on defense. And, you know, it's a game I could see. And a lot of people's darlings are the Niners right now. They're saying they're the team you don't want to play in the playoffs. Um, but I have to think that the Cowboys do enough at home with Dak and and C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and Zeke Elliott and everything that they can do, the young tight end that's emerging there, Schultz. Um, I think the Cowboys can get it done. I, I think it will be a close game, maybe come down to the wire, a, a field goal to win it. I mean, they are just a three-point favorite, so that would line up. Um, I got Dallas. I'm thinking about this year, Frank, and like you said, when Dallas has been on fire, they've been they've been – They've been red hot, and when they've not played well, they've been, you know, the dumpster fire. And I think about games that Dallas has lost this year, you know what I mean, to to the, the football team, to, to the, the Broncos, you know, uh, other teams as well. It seems, and it seems like every game they've kind of lost, even the, the Cardinals, every game they've kind of lost, they've been beat on the line of scrimmage physically. And, I, and I'm telling you right now, the, the 49ers are a much more physical team than the Dallas Cowboys. And I don't know if I believe that the San Francisco 49ers are the darlings. I've said this many years, Frank, and I've maybe even said this on this podcast before. It's not necessarily the best teams that make it in the playoffs. It's the teams that are the most red hot. And right now, the 49ers, the, the arrow is trending up for them. And yes, I am picking the 49ers to beat okay. the Cowboys. They will go so, to eight, they will go to AT&T Stadium and they will defeat the Cowboys. Cool. A lot of heads will be rolling in Dallas. They make the playoffs and lose their first game at home. So. Yeah, that's a that's a Bronson and I differ there. Um, I'll save the Steelers for last and skip to the Rams yes. Cardinals. Um, I can already predict that I think Bronson is going to pick the Cardinals in this game, and I'll tell you why. Because he's been so down on Matt Stafford this episode. Um, he's been so high on the Cardinals' road record. So I predict Bronson takes the Cardinals. I am going to take the Rams solely because they're my Super Bowl pick. And I have to go with Bills and Rams in week one because I just want to keep my two teams alive. And I think OBJ and I think Stafford gets it right. And I think Vaughn Miller is starting to solidify in that D. Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald. Um, Jalen Ramsey's on that defense. I think the Rams find a way to you know right the ship. And uh, and and knock out. You know, this is. I think I want to say it's Kyler Murray's first playoff game, and Cliff Cliff Kingbury's first kind of go at it. So maybe they're a little green behind the ears, like the Bengals. Um, but Bronson, see, am I right? Are you taking the Cardinals or what here? Well, I have been very <laughs> critical of staff for the last three weeks, mm-hmm. but now is the time, Frank, where the rubber hits the road. This is where he justifies the picks that they gave up for him. This is where he justifies okay. the quarterback that they were short of. To, to win the Super Bowl. And so maybe this is where we find out what Matt Stafford's really made of. And so I'm tempted, and I think I maybe lean your way, 
But I love the lot of myself and try to act like what everything you just said about me was not true. <laughs> You're a hundred percent of the money for all the reasons you just said. Well, I'm going to pick the Cardinals, and I am going to pick ah. the Cardinals. See, I know you my know podcast. Than anyone right now, you I, picked it. I know my Franken co-host my pretty well. For me, I think you know the the record of the Cardinals on the road, the record. Uh, the Rams kind of limping into the playoffs. The Cardinals kind of coming in a little red hot. Frank, you know who I think is going to be a big factor in this game? And I know don't call me a homer. I think James, James Conner. Is he healthy? He hasn't been playing. I think, I, I even if he has a couple snaps, I think I think this might be the James Conner show here. And I'm going I on a limb so. on that one. But I, I am I not... I, I'm not oh, backing down. I got the Cardinals winning this and game. And did you hear? I couldn't believe this. J.J. Watt's probably going to play. Yes. So, yeah, season-ending injury turns out to not be. He speeds up the rehab, and, he, and he's activated. So that's crazy. We're also for forgetting, too, whoever comes out of that AFC, you know, Tennessee's going to be, you know, they're going to be, you know, chilling on the couch watching the games, uh, eating the popcorn. Uh, D- Derek Henry's going to be chomping at the bickets. He's going to be playing. He's going to, yeah. Some thought he was season-ending, uh, and they get the bye week, so he's definitely going to be ready because um, they didn't have to rush him back for week 18, and then they get the bye, so it's kind of like three more extra weeks. Um, but Bronson, the final game is the Steelers-Chiefs, and like we said, it's house money. They're huge underdogs. And before making my pick, I kind of want to do some X's and O's, and I want to lay out... By all means. I want to lay out what has to happen for the Steelers to win. Um this has been like the subject of every talk show I've listened to. Okay, what, so, if the Steelers are going to win, this is what they have to do. Well, go ahead. Well, go see ahead. how much see how much of it matches up because I yeah. I've actually not listened to any radio this week. I've been working. I from did today. Home. Uh, I I haven't been in the car all week. I've been home. So, um, see if it matches up for the Steelers to have any shot at winning. In in Frank Conti's opinion, um, is you know. Priority number one is it's going to be pressure on Mahomes. Um, TJ Watt is going to have to get home almost on every pass rush, and he has to kind of do what the, the you know the Bucks did to, to Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Just get him uncomfortable, get him backpedaling, uh, make him rush his throws. Um, that has to they have to really get sustained pressure on almost like you know almost every play. Um, they have to contain Hill and Kelsey. Um, no big splash plays from them. Um, we have to find ways to, you know, bend but not break as Steeler defenses like to do, and maybe you know hold them to field goals instead of touchdowns. Um, maybe you know you're going to have to force a, a turnover or two. You're going to have to win the turnover battle by plus two or more. I think so. That means committing zero and getting two, or committing one and getting three. Um, you have to be plus two in the turnover battle. Um, the Steelers are going to have to really control the run game and clock. So if they can get Harris going and kind of keep Mahomes on the sideline, um, keep this game you know within one score into the third quarter and start you know creeping some doubt into the Chiefs' minds, you know keep it fourteen ten, keep it twenty one thirteen, like keep yourself within striking distance pretty late into the second half. Um, the Steelers, one thing going for them is like I mentioned, they're getting a lot of those offensive linemen back, and everybody is pretty much healthy in this game. Uh, Najee does have a little bit of a bummed elbow. Um, but uh, we should have Dan Moore back. We should have Hassenauer playing center. Um, Kendrick Green's healthy and can 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 go in if if needed. 
Um, so we don't have to go with Leglu. And um, I can even name some of the guys that were out there. Joe Hag um, had that huge That's penalty. Right. Assenhauer. Yeah. Joe Hag was was playing the other day and had that big face mask that like almost derailed the game. Um, so yeah, the Steelers. I mean, all those things have to kind of fall into place for them. It's like when we talk about the Pirates contending. It's like if Reynolds has a career year and if Hayes hits twenty five homers and if Musgrove can, you know, pitch, <laughs> pitch like everything would have to go perfect for the Pirates to even sniff a five hundred season. And obviously that doesn't happen, and they lose a hundred games. But for the Steelers Sunday night, there is a scenario where, okay, maybe. Maybe the opening kickoff gets returned for a touchdown by Ray Ray McLeod. Like if you get something big like that that smacks the Chiefs in the mouth, um, or maybe you block a punt, like, and run it back for a touchdown, uh, it's possible. I'm going to be rooting as hard as I can and just hope we keep it close. Um, but it's really unlikely. And if I had to bet, I'm I'm even probably picking the Chiefs with the twelve and a half. Like it's it's it's, it's really hard to even imagine us keeping it under that, but um, I'm going to be the eternal optimist, Bronson, and hope several of those things happen. And we are, you know, within a score in the fourth quarter and keeping us interested. Um, and we would automatically get a ticket to Tennessee if we win. Um, so we know that. Um, so it wouldn't get any easier, but, uh, no, unlikely to happen. I'm officially going on record and picking the Chiefs, so you can write that down. But, of course, you know, cheering for the Steelers. And I think if I had to predict again, I think you're going to pick the Chiefs as well. <laughs> yeah, um, and I was, as you were telling me your keys to beating Kansas City, I was kind of remember what, what the uh, the B team and what Madden was saying about. And you pretty much hit them right on the head. Um my, the way I read it was when the turnover battle exponentially, which means that Pittsburgh has zero turnovers yeah. and maybe uh, two or three or, you know, four Forced, turnovers yeah. forcing Kansas City into doing that. The clock, um, field goals from Kansas City to the touchdowns, that was on right. the list too. Uh, pressure on Mahomes, TJ Watt, This they were talking about TJ Watt being a big factor. He's yeah. kind of disappeared in the playoffs the last couple of years. He needs to have a breakout game. And Mark Madden threw a, a little fun one, I think, that, that uh, maybe you wouldn't think of. If the Steelers win the coin toss, do not defer. Take the ball. That's a good point. Try to try as much as you can to get out ahead. You don't want to be chasing yeah. the game, right? Yeah. So, but uh, but no, Frank. For all the reasons you put in front of there, um, I'm going to give you a caveat though, and I want mm-hmm. this to be on our audio airwaves here, and I want this to be known by myself. And I told my friend Shane from this this week. I don't think Pittsburgh has a chance to beat Kansas City. I personally don't. And if the Steelers win, then shame on me. But I will say, if the impossible happens, if the Steelers beat Kansas City, I will pick them for the rest of the playoffs, and they will go on a run. (laughs) That's what I'm saying right now. They either lose this week or they go on a run that we've never seen before. Oh, it's like 05, like you said it. I'm not saying it's like 05, but I think I – after they beat Kansas City, I'm, I'm being I'm being completely honest. I don't think there's a team that they that, that they can't beat. They could beat Buffalo. They could beat New England. They could beat. I think I think they could beat Cincinnati if they saw them again. Yeah, I think they could beat Vegas, and I do think they could beat Tennessee even with Derrick Henry. I think if Pittsburgh could beat Kansas City, they could beat the other teams. But Kansas City is going to be the tall task. <laughs> Am I picking the Steelers? No, I'm picking the Chiefs. I yeah. don't think they have a chance. Left. But if the impossible happens. 
I will pick the Steelers the rest of the way. I mean, from going to 4% chance and all that craziness happening last Sunday to get them in, how improbable and crazy would it be if they would go on some type of run and make it to a Super Bowl? And, and, and Ben thinking he was literally done and retired to, to play another month and, and get to a Super Bowl would just be absolutely unbelievable. And, and it would be like you would have to make like a, a, an ESPN uh, 360 last dance kind of thing about it. But uh, you could be right. If they do find a way to sneak past this one, it could be the spark to send them on a, an 05 type run because there are, I think, some teams they match up better against. Um, you know, down down the pike, but no, it's it's unlikely. And if it happens, Bronson, if we lose, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up and clap and say, thanks for getting to the playoffs. Thanks for finishing oh, yeah. nine. Thanks for being nine seven and one. And you could basically probably even say ten and seven. If Ben plays against the Lions, we we're ten and seven. It's um, gravy. No, yeah, it's house money right now. Not a lot of people are saying ten and seven and and or or making the playoffs, um, especially needing needing the help that they did what they, they, when they were seven seven and one going into the last two games it was like you know not really likely at all but they 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 took care of their business and got the help and it'll be it'll be house money and it'll be just fun to be there and another you know in the history books another year making the playoffs another good notch in Ben and Tomlin's belt and It'll it'll just be it's fun that we they gave us another week. That's why I was rooting for the Raiders, uh, you know, to win it there and not tie. Just to, you know, yay, we're probably gonna lose, but still, it's something something special about making it. So, we're we're happy either way. Um, we'll tip the cap. The Chiefs, you know, have the better roster. They're expected to win, but uh, it's still gonna be something to do and something fun to to get amped yeah. up, or get the jersey on one more time, and get excited one more time, get the snacks out and all that for playoff football. So, um. um before we move on, before we put a wrap a, a wrap on the NFL here, um, I wanted to take a look back at my notes here and uh, evaluate where we had everything when we started the season. Kind of check our work here, Frankie. So the we'll start with the Steeler Pick'em this this 2021 Steeler season Pick'em. Um, you were ten for you were ten for eighteen. You got ten games right. You had the Steelers finishing ten and seven, and uh, I uh, had one more game picked right than you. I finished eleven and eighteen, and I had the Steelers going nine and eight. So of we course, the, split action, the yeah, they split, split it with the, the difference time. nine seven to one. Yeah. <laughs> they split the difference. Um, the Baltimore, obviously, the uh, we were chalk, Frank, pretty much right. Uh, we were pretty much uh, even until. Uh, you had Baltimore uh, winning the last weekend. I had them winning, the Steelers winning. So that was the game that the the, the one that decided it. And grading our playoffs so far, um, you had um, the um, the division winners. You had Bills winning the East, Steelers winning. So that was right. Um, the Steelers winning the North. They did not. The Titans did win the the, the South, and the Chiefs won the West. So we got that right. I had the Bills winning the East, uh, the Ravens winning the North. They didn't win the North. I had the Titans and the Chiefs. So we were three out of four in terms of division winners. Then it goes to wild card teams. Um, you had the Colts, Browns, and Ravens. You went over three on that. <laughs> as neither as neither of those three teams made the playoffs. Um, I had the Browns, Colts, and Chargers, and I went over three. <laughs> 
is neither one of those three teams made the playoffs. Um, we go to the NFC, the National Football Conference. Frank, you had uh, Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and L.A. as your division winners. I believe that means you ran the table and went four for four. I had the Giants. <laughs> Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and L.A. So I went three for four. Your wild cards, um, Seattle, um, Seattle, Arizona, and the Giants. The G-Men. So you went one for three there. And then my wild card teams, I had Seattle, Arizona, and Dallas. Uh, Dallas won the division, so I'm not going to count myself that. I'm not going. I'm not going to give myself credit for that. They didn't make the playoffs, but they didn't go in as a wild card. So I will give myself a one for three there too. So you were better in the NFC, and we both were evened up on the AFC. So yeah, so there we're pretty much even there. Just that you, you had the, you, you, uh, uh, you didn't drink the Giants Kool Aid like I did. So, um, and then our predictions at the beginning of the year, uh, you had Rams and Bills. I had Cowboys and Bills, which is funny. I had the Giants winning the division, but the Cowboys making the Super Bowl. That's what's funny. Um, but <laughs> so there it goes there. And before we wrap up the NFL, Frank, I feel like we've been trying to say before we wrap the NFL, let's quickly go over um, uh, what happened after the season, uh, after the the tie game was not the tie. Um, Let's go with uh, Black Monday, Frank, as coaches lost their jobs on Monday. Um, I'll go down the list, and then uh, I'll just give my quick reactions, and I'll let you chip chip in after that. We did kind of count the Urban Meyer midseason firing, the John Gruden midseason firing, or the mutual parting of the ways, I guess you want to say there. Um, but Mike Zimmer was let go by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Matt Nagy was let go by the Chicago Bears. That was kind of reported a couple weeks before that, so we'd already known that was going to happen. Um, Vic Fangio was fired by the Denver Broncos. Um, and a shocker that I don't think any of the NFL world saw coming was the Miami Dolphins relieving uh, – uh, of um, Brian Flores of his duties. Um, he had two of the last three years, Frank, including this year, although they didn't make the playoffs. They had a winning season. You saw uh, uh, up until that, that last week's disappointing uh, game against Tennessee, you saw the the up the uptick of the development of Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, but apparently Stephen Ross feels, the ownership there in Miami feels, that uh, the Flores isn't the guy, and they got rid of him. That was a shocker. Um, and then we thought maybe Joe Judge would be the next guy to fall. And the Giants said, you know, um, no, we're confident in Joe Judge. We'll come back with him another year. Then suddenly, a couple days later, he was let go. Uh, Rappaport kind of said on Dan Patrick, or actually Dan Patrick kind of confirmed it, that uh, this move was probably made because um, the NFL uh, world was hearing that uh, they, because uh, Gettleman retired as the GM. So they were looking for a GM. And uh, the, the word on the street today was that, uh, a lot of the executives uh, were not going to touch the uh, the Giants with a ten foot pole if uh, Joe Judge was brought back as a coach. So I think the Giants realizing that if no one was interested in their uh, executive position, that maybe they should go a different direction in the coach's route. And uh, so eventually, Joe Judge was relieved of his duties. Um, so Frank, just kind of kicking you your reaction on these firings. Um, obviously, the big wild card. I think in terms of, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be more firings to come as the the entire season's over, you know, when the, the Bucks or whatever, maybe some assistants will, will move to better teams as head coaches or whatnot. But right now, Frank, you're a hot free agent. I think you would have to think um, on top of Flores, the unexpected one, 
Uh, Jim Harbaugh has been the one that's been jumping around. Frank, the easy uh, low-hanging fruit would be he would uh, return to a place he's played for many years, and that's Chicago, uh, to be the Bears coach, maybe help the development of uh, of Josh Fields or Justin Fields. I'm sorry, I said Joshua. Justin Fields, and um, that seems to be the hot rumor. Um, I know Rappaport said today on Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen that um, that the Raiders had hoped that maybe. Uh, Basachi would kind of either be mediocre or kind of lead them out of the playoffs and then they can take a home run hit and get a, a huge name like a Harbaugh or or a fill-in-the-blank here or whoever would be available to them. But as I told you before we recorded, you know, it, it, especially if Basachi and then they beat the, the Bengals, I don't know how you don't give him the job, you know, for, for taking a team that was in disarray with the Gruden uh a scenario and they moved on the playoffs you give Basachi a chance to get his guys his system his his uh, personnel implemented in there um uh Vic Fangio was expected so now you know I think I think you know there's gonna be a whole lot you know Denver's looking for a quarterback um could they could Aaron Rodgers move on too that's always a big rumor you know will he stay with Green Bay could Denver be a place will they drop the quarterback will there be you know a lot of questions Frank just kind of uh, I'm going to turn this over to you. I've done babbling uh, long enough and kind of get your uh, perspective of where you think these uh, the, the coaching carousel starts and and where we'll be here maybe when we uh, record the next episode. Yeah, Bronson, it was uh, quite the year for Black Monday, uh, one of the the biggest you know in the last couple of years. And if you count Gruden and Meyer, um, that's two more. Um, but ones that we saw coming were. Um, were Zimmer in Minnesota, Nagy in Chicago, Fangio in Denver. Um, those three were been predicted the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, totally shocked, like you said, with Flores. I'm a big I was a big Brian Flores fan. Thought he kind of turned it around there. Um, you know, winning record down there. Um, you're in a tough division with um Buffalo and New England. Um, I don't know why the expectations are super, super high there and why they thought you know they wanted to move on from him um yeah so and then you know the the joe judge thing was funny because every you know they had said he was safe and then you know a couple days later you know they kind of go back on their word and and let joe judge go and it it was a clown show there um i think as he referenced we're not a clown show organization but the fans were coming with paper bags over their heads and yeah boy i i saw i i read a, a fan's lip the during the game and he was just like you're a you're a, a b-word joe judge like <laughs> the fans there hate him um so yeah. he's out he's out um yeah some people thought um matt rule would be out in carolina he does survive so he gets a to kind of one more chance there i think um i think Car- he was given a state of execution because he didn't have christian mccaffrey for most of the year right um so who gets these jobs? Do they kind of reshuffle? Um, do they go back into the kind of the the coaching trees as coordinators? I think a lot do. Like there is now that you know, I don't know if all the coaches are in place yet, but there's the USFL and the XFL. Yeah. Um, there's there's college openings to any of these guys kind of go back into the college game. Um, does a guy like Mike Zimmer just retire at this point? I think he's getting up there. Matt Nagy for sure is an offensive mind. Um, I see a team, maybe maybe he gets back into it as an offensive coordinator. Um, 
Another thing is Alabama is usually a place where fired coaches go become assistants again and re- resurrect their career. So if Bill O'Brien or people that are down there get jobs and there's an opening in Alabama, you yeah. can see you can see one of those guys end up under Saban. Real quick, Frank, because the thought just hit my head and I don't want to lose it. I honestly could see this happening, especially if the enemy gets a job somewhere else. If the enemy were to leave that Kansas City spot, don't, don't Regis brings Nagy back as the OC. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a thought, too. Um, yeah, the enemy's a hot name for any of these openings. Um, I saw that, you know, the show that you were talking about, Maggie and Perloff. Um, that's your your boy that left the Dan Patrick. Yeah, show, McLovin. Right? Yeah, I've been, been I, I've been watching it and I really like it. Uh, and and I tried to take a picture of the screen, um, but I didn't. Um, they did their predictions and they they both had I think Jim Harbaugh going back into the NFL and that's the rumor right now because yeah. as he pe- as he peaked at Michigan he finally got the Ohio State monkey off the back and got to a college football playoff. Um, does he stick around there and hope the playoff extends to twelve teams so that he can kind of make the college football playoff? Yeah every year and have a shot at a national title there at his alma mater or does he have that itch and i think he always has to get back into the nfl and i think he he does and the perfect landing spot might be where he played most of his career in chicago and if the bears come a call and whoever their new gm if he gets put in place first um whoever whoever that is may uh give harbaugh a call or the other the other opening that some people think he could be linked to as a Vegas, the, the one with the Raiders. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I was mentioned about. I think maybe uh, Mark Davis to the, maybe Versace's overperforming their expectations to their chagrin because maybe they wanted to get a big name. Yeah. Yeah. I know, which might end up hurting them because they might look bad if they don't give Versace a, a chance. Yeah. Um, they're, yeah, Biennami's gonna, I think Maggie said Biennami in Minnesota would be a good fit. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as like, um, is a lot of people have Doug Peterson getting another shot. Yeah. He Um, interviewed with the Jacksonville job. I I think he deserves another chance. Yeah. I I mean, him and Roseman didn't get along there in Philadelphia. I I think Peterson deserves another chance. He, he won a ring. Yeah. He won a Super Bowl. Um, Jacksonville, Minnesota. Um, yeah. So, um, I love it. It's going to be interesting to see if any of them just, become carousel or we see coordinators get promoted. Dan Quinn's another guy that yeah, might get another, another chance, chance possibly. even though he botched the Super Bowl against New England. Um, he might get another chance, the D coordinator there in Dallas where, you know, that's another thing why they call it a carousel. Um, yeah. If, if Dan Quinn leaves the Dallas DC position, does Brian Flores end up in Dallas as their DC? Yeah. And, um, um not to cut you off, Frank, but like I said, especially if the enemy, you know, Maggie, you said Maggie Gray made that prediction that he possibly goes to Minnesota. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to hang on to that. I'm going to hang on to the the enemy leaving Kansas City and then Matt Nagy going back to work under Andy Reid again. That's the one I'm going to yeah. add on. And here's one that I bet you you're going to laugh when you think about this because he's actually currently interviewing for head coaching positions. And that is uh, Green Bay. I don't know if he's offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, Luke Getze. Luke Getze's been in. Yeah, you beat me to it. I was going to bring it up to you. Sorry. Uh, uh, no, no. Former Pitt quarterback, uh, former Pitt backup quarterback. Um, not much of a name in college. I didn't know he was rising in the coaching ranks. But, yeah, Luke Getze is getting talk as that passing game coordinator for Green Bay and all they do under Rodgers. Yeah. Um, 
not only I, some pit fans were thinking he could be pits OC, but um, he's going to be aim higher than that. It looks yeah. like, but um, uh, pits OC. I heard Alex Van Pelt. Uh, there could be some interest there. The you know there he you was the, the all time leading passer before Pickett shattered all before those. Pickett. But, he he was he he was that same position for the Browns this year, so he has experience being an OC. But uh, yeah, keep an eye on it, folks. The coaching carousel is going to get interesting. Do, do any guys go to college? Do any college names jump to the Byron NFL? Byron Leftwich is still out there too, Frankie. Yeah, Leftwich is a name in the college ranks. Um, Ryan Day at Ohio State. Does he yeah. ever have the? I heard I have, heard those rumblings the other day. Yeah. Um, no no fun intended. Uh, does Harbaugh want to go back? Um, so yeah, it'll be fun to see these hire and these hires will come fast because, you know, these teams are all turning their sights towards 2022 in the draft. So I think they can, they can start naming these and they're they're interviewing guys, even if they have playoff games this week, um, for, for teams in the playoffs, they're, they're granting permission to interview guys. So we might see some of these fall off the board. Um, um, and then lastly, I know we've been kind of saying lastly, but the NFL has just been so hot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Colbert, Frank, announced he will not be back. Or not announced. They, the reports are that Kevin Colbert will retire at the conclusion of the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, rumors are who will take his place. Um, will it be Omar Khan, who actually interviewed with the Bears just recently? Or um, um, I just said his name for the show started. Brandon. Brandon Smith. Or what's his name? I don't remember. I'm already blanking out. It's too late in the night, Frankie. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, the, the director of football operations for the Steelers. Um, uh, but uh, he's he might. I think Brandon is the leader. I'm like I'm literally like just blah right now. Uh, I'm just like looking it up right now. I think it was Smith or, uh, or um, he's the new. Uh, he was the full Brandon Hunt. I'm sorry, Brandon Hunt. Thank you, Bronson. Finally, my old age is catching up to Brandon Hunt would be the lead guy to get the Steelers GM job. But um, I think in inside they've pretty much told Omar Khan he's not going to get the job. So that's why he's kind of talking to other teams. He's the cap guy. Brandon Hunt is the yeah. football operations guy. And you mentioned it before we recorded, Frank, and I didn't even think about this. You know, Colbert may not necessarily fully retire. He just won't be the GM. Maybe he'll go into a, an advisor role. Uh, kind of like you know, hockey wise, uh, when Ray Shiro was like a by Jersey, he went to Minnesota and is the advisor for Bill Guerin in Minnesota. So could kind of go in that kind of that advisor kind of role um, there. So that was a big ups to you to think about that. I didn't think about that. Yeah, and Colbert kind of interesting, you know, and he's getting up there in age, and it was kind of becoming time and to go out when Ben goes out. Um, but letting him hang on for the draft is kind of kind of odd because the the NFL calendar or whatever the new NFL year starts March 1st and you would think that like if you're done in the 2021 season you know you should call it a, call it a day you know if they lose to the Chiefs he should retire the day after but um and whoever the new GM is kind of has to inherit Colbert's draft um yeah. so kind of well, I mean, if you can if you consider it a Colbert draft we've seems like we've heard the past you know since Tomlin's been head coach, he's had uh, exponentially a right. uh, huge influence on personnel drafting and decisions. Yeah, true. So Colbert will just give it one more ride advising Tomlin in the war room, but it'll be Tomlin kind of making the calls. Um, so, you know, good job. Kevin Colbert, big ups, long time tenure with the Steelers. RMU guy, he has a a, a, a building or a room named after him over there at RMU. I've been in it. 
Um, so, you know, congrats on a good career if it is the end for Kevin oh, yeah. Colbert. Um, but no, fun, fun NFL segments there, Bronson. We went pretty deep. We are in, done now, officially. Yeah, folks. we went pretty deep <laughs> into our show with, with two weeks to cover and then playoff. But we're not done with and, football. We're just done with the NFL. <laughs> um, a few more segments left to go. We have to get in some hockey talk and then a little bit of college football before our final thoughts. But yeah, uh, now, yeah, now we're uh, on the, you know, since I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy tonight in charge with uh, kind of steering the train in the right direction, yeah. um, we are going to go to the the uh, college football, Frank, and uh, just a few days ago, the national championship wrapped up. I actually had the, the old recap see here, and I, I'll take over this one if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, in a, no shock at all, it seems like in the last couple of years of the dominance of the uh, the SCC, uh, the college football playoffs uh, kicked off. Um, Georgia defeated Michigan. I'm not recapping those games. The the, yeah. the final games. Georgia defeated Michigan, and uh, Cincinnati did put up a little bit of a fight against Alabama, Frank. But we had already known by that point that um, you know Alabama was going to walk away from that game. And and I, I still believe in, in in a school like Cincinnati getting a chance to play. You know, if they if, if the records are right, I don't I don't regret them being in the Final Four. That they they got a chance to play against the big boys. It didn't work out. I mean. Losing Alabama, there's no shame in that. Um, so you think about that, and, and you you know you just mentioned it. You know, um, uh, Luke Fickle, well, he get a chance to go somewhere else. Maybe yeah. does he want to stay in Cincinnati and help build that program? Uh, the former Ohio State coach there. Um, but no, Frank, um, the uh, finals of the the uh, College Bowl. Uh, championship. Um, this is actually not played in the South, Frank. You would think this would be, you know, in Atlanta again, or, or a, a lower, a Southern East, uh, Southeast stadium or something. But no, it's, it was at Lucas Oil Stadium, Frank, uh, in Indianapolis, and it was the uh, the 2022 um, Bowl Championship. It was the uh, University of Georgia, the Bulldogs, uh, f- taking on the number one uh alabama crimson tide georgia came in number three the crimson tide came in uh number one <clears throat> it was the battle of two quarterbacks frank obviously uh bryce young the um and i guess we're not gonna you know we're not really uh keeping you in suspense uh bryce young did win the heisman trophy i know you and i were pulling hard for kenny pickett and it was great for him to at least get an invite there to uh new york but uh you know but congrats and we'll get the picket here in a second over the game congrats to Bryce Young on the Heisman Trophy um I'm sure he wished he could have played a better game this on this night though Frankie um he uh will start the scoring um well Richard and the field, field goal started up for Bama to go up three nothing um Jack Podlesny the goal the kicker for the uh, Georgia Bulldogs ties it up for threes it was an exchange of field goals for a while Frank and actually the whole first half is nothing but field goals uh, until Zamir White had a one-yard one touchdown run for Georgia to make it 13-9. Another field goal uh, response by Alabama to make it 13-12. Um, and then we think during this game, too, um, Alabama did suffer uh, some major injuries uh, to their offensive uh, um, team there. Um, looking at the full box score here, Frank, I just want to make sure we get numbers correctly here. Um, for uh, For Alabama... If I can grab this here. Yeah, Bryce Young went 35 of 57, 369 yards, a touchdown, and a couple of costly interceptions there, Frank. Um, um, but they the uh, Crimson Tide uh, suffered um, a big injury with uh, – keep my, my internet's not working. 
fix it in post. Uh, <laughs> look in here. Just let me make sure you get the numbers right here. Uh, Jameson Williams, Frank left uh, a little more than midway through the game. Um, he suffered a torn ACL. Uh, so he hits up, and I'm sure he'll be back probably hopefully in time for camp to come back there. Uh, but Jameson Williams, I'm sure if he had stayed the whole game, this would have looked a little bit different. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned Bryce Young's numbers, not the not the, the day he wanted. Um, looking for the Crimson Tide. Robinson Jr., Brian Robinson Jr. had us. Uh, um, 22 carries for 68 yards. Nothing really great there. But Georgia, Frank, um, you know, Zamir White, 13 touches, 84 yards, a touchdown. Um, touches by Mitchell and Bowers. And the story of the game, Frank, was um, was Stenson Bennett, a guy who had been a walk-on there at Georgia, having to sit behind guys like Jay Fromm, uh, even below, I think, uh, for a while there, Fields on the depth chart, Justin Fields on the depth chart. Um, and now this was his chance to shine, Frank. And he weathered the storm and, you know, a senior at, at Georgia, uh, the bugaboo of, of uh, not being able to beat uh, Alabama. They lost the SEC, SEC title to Alabama, uh, but they come back here for the rematch, Frankie. Um, and Stetson Bennett, this is his story, his chance to be uh, the star. And he, uh, you know, from Georgia and uh, he's a senior. He's older than he's older than I think every quarterback going into the draft this year. So, um uh, he waited his turn, Frank, a long time. He's been playing here since uh, uh, 2019, so got to give it to the kid. He came up big. He did have that fumble early, Frank. I thought maybe that was the turning point where maybe Alabama was just going to take it and run away with it, but you got to give the kid. He had moxie. He stayed in there. Uh, he he was 17 at 26, 224 yards and two touchdowns with a QBR of 71. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the story was Stetson Bennett winning it, and the story was Bryce Young, you know, the, the young um, – is he a sophomore, Frank, or a freshman? I, I always forget. Right, young. I don't um, know if he's a sophomore or a junior, but I know he's coming back. Yeah, he's definitely coming back. I don't think he's um, a freshman. He's sophomore, yeah, he's right. But um, I thought the cool part of the whole thing, you know, I, I really didn't have a dog in this fight. I have friends who are Alabama fans. Um, I'm pretty close with jo- Joey Galmarini. Uh, you know him probably. We know his sisters. But he's a huge uh, Georgia uh, fan, so congrats to him. I congratulated him. He'd been kind of – I've seen all his disappointing faces and stuff with following to Saban every time, so it's finally time for his dogs to get that W over yeah. the powerful Crimson Tide and Nick Saban. I thought the cool thing, Frank, I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you did. was the press conference after with Brace Young and and, uh, and Robinson uh, not having great games, and Nick Saban was talking, and uh, both guys went to get up, and, and uh, Saban told him to sit down and said, hey, these guys didn't have great games. They're the first to take blame in a minute. But without these guys, we're not even in this game. They are to be commended for the seasons they had. And then one game does not define them. Mm-hmm. And he said, I love these, you know, I love these guys. They they perform for me. And this isn't the game they wanted, but they'll be back and they'll be better than that, you know. And I just think, you know, Nick Saban gets a lot of bad pub for certain things, but I think he's a guy, you know, he's like the anti-Urban Meyer. I'm sure, you know, he, he has a job to do at the end of the day and he gets paid a lot of money to do it, but I do think, you know, he does care about his players and a guy who didn't have to do that in, uh, you know, just looking out for his players. He's a guy who fights for his players. And, uh, you know, I always talk about Frank, you know, I played hockey and, and, and another thing is football. I talk about you win as champions and you lose as champions. Um, say what you want about Alabama and their juggernaut powerhouse. But I think Nick Saban never makes excuses and he always gives credit to the other team and to his players, even if they don't, you know, live up to expectations in big time moments. He cares about the kids, the young men, and uh, he's a guy who wins and he loses like a champion. 
Yeah, I thought uh, Saban was very pointed in uh, post game with Holly Rowe and on the on the press conference. Um, you know, he was disappointed, but he was proud of his guys. Um, he stood behind his guys. Um, you know, they went thirteen and two this year. They knocked off Georgia in the SEC title game. So he was kind of you know not all down in the dumps. This was this was a game that was uh, up for grabs. Um, it was gonna it was gonna come down to just who executed late in the game better yeah. and. And it was a you know back and forth tight game all game defensive struggle mostly field goals. Um, 33-18. I don't think I mentioned the final score. Frank. it was thirty three eighteen. And and that that was a big late, uh, a pick six late kind of widened that. Um, it was uh, it was a one score game the whole way and mostly field goals and um, Georgia in the end just it looked like they wanted it more. They need they wanted to get that monkey off their back. Forty years without a national title. Um, four straight losses to Bama, um, losses to Bama in the college football playoff and in the SEC title game. Um, they they finally get off the schneid there um, and and knock off big bad Alabama, like you said. And I was happy for him. I was rooting for Georgia. You know, kind of kind of get tired of seeing Saban hoist the <laughs> trophy. He had won, I think he's won seven of the last thirteen. So it's almost like Belichick and Brady. Um, you're kind of sick of Alabama. You're you're wondering Probably, when they. You know- not to cut you off, uh, another thing that popped in my head too, <clears throat> the Rich Eisen show. They were talking about the how some of the 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 Belichick disciples, you know, don't measure up to Belichick, and they were talking about and Eisen goes without question the biggest best disciple of Belichick was Nick Saban. It's not even close, um, just to his terms of his greatness and stuff. And like I, I agree with you, uh, I'm a Nick Saban fan myself, but yeah, the Alabama dominance does kind of get a little annoying and. Uh, uh, I went down to Savannah, Georgia a couple years ago, Frank. I, I, I'm not a person who's been on vacation or traveled south or uh, really anywhere across the country. Not Just never had a chance to. Uh, my fear of flying has prevented mm-hmm. me from doing that, which I've since kind of overcome. But um, going down to Georgia, Frank, you, and, and, I, and I'm going to go on a little tangent. I'm, I promise I'll make it short. But like, I'm not going to knock on University of Pittsburgh fans or University of Cincinnati fans, but those are colleges that are in pro sports towns. Mm-hmm. They are in pro sports towns. And yes, I get it. The, you know, they have the Falcons down there. But when you get down there to places like Georgia and Alabama, like you realize this is SEC country. This yeah. is college ball country. Mm-hmm. These guys live and die for their Crimson Tide. You know, Believe Georgia it. Bulls. And when I went down there to Georgia, we went there. I forget. It was like the first or second week of the season. And we went to this bar where they had the actually had a projector on the side of a building <laughs> in Savannah, and just the craziness that the fans, you know, they, I felt like I was an adopted Georgian, you know, a, a bulldog guy. So I feel kind of an, an emotional attachment to the Bulldogs, um, even though people, my friends who like Alabama, would kill me for that. But I always feel a little bit of an emotional attachment to it because, like, you know, these people know we're Pitt fans. We're down there visiting. Like, yeah, come on, you're part of us. Come hang out yeah. with us. Come, come hang out with us and cheer on the Bulldogs. So. That's so welcoming. So I feel like I'm kind of an adopted Bulldog fan there. So uh, I am happy to see them finally uh, overcome the, the bugaboo that is the Crimson Tide. And uh, I'm sorry, I forgot to cut you off, but I just wanted to kind of. No, that was a good story. Yeah, it's, it is It is everything in the South and in those those um, those towns that don't have pro sports team. Um, it, it is life down there. So, um, yeah, I was just glad to see Georgia. Um 
even though they are, I mean, if you look at Georgia, they're pretty much Alabama 2.0. They're a team that has a bunch of five stars, and it's not like some big underdog won the title yesterday. They're they're a powerhouse too. That yeah. we're probably we're probably gonna start getting sick of them. But to see them do it with a walk on quarterback was kind of cool. Um, yeah, he beat out all the five star recruits that they had there, and seems like a humble kid. And um, so that yeah, they're on top of the mountain and. Uh, a college football season wrapped up. Um, we did see our pit Panthers fall in the peach bowl. Um, I didn't yeah. want to get, it, it's been a while now. I didn't want to break down the game. Well, but... I'm not going to break it down, but I did want to say my thoughts on it. Um, and for those who didn't watch it, I'll give you like a 30 second recap. Uh, we obviously Kenny Pickett didn't play Tacey or Mac mm-hmm. didn't play. Um, but Nick Patty was the starter Frank. And on the first drive, he runs a touchdown on the first drive and he gets injured and he's out of the game. A shoulder injury on the first drive. He runs a touchdown. So yeah, you're down to QB three. So you're down. Um, Deville. What's his first name? Yeah, uh, Davis Bevel. Bevel. I'm sorry, not Deville, yeah. Bevel. Davis Bevel comes in, and so now you're down to QB number three, Frank. And they had a lead by the time Bevel came in. Yeah, when mm-hmm. Bevel came in, and they added some field goals and another t- rushing touchdowns and things of that nature. They had the lead most of the game over Michigan State, but. Just um, Bevel's inexperienced, and like I told you, I texted you the one night about the game. I said he looks like a he looks like a high school kid playing college. Like yeah, he just so he was a statue. Like, yeah, he was yeah, just a, a statue. statue. A good way to put it. Tall and he, deer in headlights that game. Obviously, no no reps in practice. Not expecting to play, and yeah, um, they just couldn't hold on. They couldn't control the clock enough and get enough points in the second half to keep Michigan State at bay. And they ran out of time, and Michigan State just you know, had the ball last and scored. It was kind well, of, well, I mean, yeah. Well, then, and then, well, Bevel did have the ball, the chance to drive down. And then that cost like pick, pick, pick six. There. Yeah. They were getting so close. I thought they might pull it off. They, you know, Addison, some big plays. They had like, you know, 30 seconds left at the 20 yard line. I thought they were going to, going to, I think a field goal would have even tied it. And he throws the yeah. six. And I, and I'm not, and you know, when I was watching that game at a TJ, I shout out to TJ's hideaway in Evan city. I was watching my friends, uh, Justin and Alan Reiner, Matt Lather, and uh, Josh Thomas. Uh, shout out to those guys. We were we had a big pit watch party up there at TJ's High, which I've never been there before. It's an awesome mm-hmm. place. So uh, if you are in the uh, Evan City area, do give TJ's Hideaway your business because uh, they were fantastic to us. Um, but no, um, uh, I didn't really. I wasn't really sad. Like I was sad for a second, but I was like, okay, it's QB three. It's a Peach Bowl game that really doesn't mean anything, and it really gave. I think the people who did support Pickett for sitting out. All that justice that they needed, like this could have been Pickett getting hurt and he could have been losing stock on his NFL uh, yeah. future. And not to mention the fact that Matt Corral for Ole Miss, exactly. he gets hurt too. And it's like, Frank, it's like, I get it. You know, it's like, you got to be there till the end. And Corral even, you know, he doubled down even after he got hurt and said, I still don't regret my decision. I still mm. would have played. But I don't regret a guy like Kenny Pickett. You know, he was there on the headset in the booth and stuff. So it wasn't like he was sitting at his home in Jersey watching the game. Yeah, He was there with his team, you know, on the headset. But, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett has, has a bright NFL future, or at least an opportunity at one ahead of him. So I can't fault him for doing that. I know we've talked about it, and I'm not going to harp on it. But, um, um, yeah, your Pitt Panthers, you know, if you're a Pitt fan, Frank, yeah, they, they end uh, the year nationally ranked at 13. So something mm-hmm. to build off of. Obviously, Mark um, or, um, or Whipple, the offensive coordinator, went to Nebraska, and, and Pickett will go into the NFL. We talked about Slovis already. I'm not going to mention that. But, uh, but you know, uh, wish could have got that win against the Peach Bowl, but I'm, I'm ultimately not too disappointed. I'm, I'm happy how things went to get the ACC title. I don't think, uh, I don't think, um, Clemson's gonna 
falter like they did next last year this year this past year this year so they they, they got one of the irons off but i think yeah. they'll have something for Dabo and the and the, the boys next year for sure yeah i mean now that i've settled down from it i was pretty upset just because of the way the game ended <laughs> and i you were texting me <laughs> i was it was rough for a few days but um i got over it pretty quickly because i don't want to remember the peach bowl bad kind of i have the the peach bowl t-shirt that my mom got me for christmas and i hope i can like eventually wear it with pride that they made it to a new year's six bowl um it has the michigan state helmet on there which kind of gives you a sour taste maybe i should have opted for one that like didn't have the the helmets <laughs> yeah. on there but no, 11 and 3 ACC champs and finishing 13. When that poll came out today, I felt better about things cuz I thought Pitt might fall to like 19 or 20. But yeah. the fact that they didn't drop them like only one spot, um yeah, they a, a win would have been 12 and 2 and probably number 8 um which would have been like wow, Pitt finished top 10, who would have thunk it? But finishing 13 still impressive. Yeah. Double digit wins is something Pitt had only, you know, only really done once in the regular season since 1981. Um, and, you know, I have the ACC champion T-shirt, which I love to wear proudly. That was my my, fav- my favorite game probably to ever watch as a Pitt fan was to see them just wallop Wake Forest in that game on national TV and Pickett look his best. And um, I'll never forget the memory that they they provided us by going to and winning the ACC crown. The fake, like the fake slide will live in infamy. And you hit him with the fake slide, as RG three would say. A, a clip I'll never get sick of listening to. But um, and now the Kenny Pickett rule that outlawed it. But um, they they do get lucky and avoid Clemson and a Clemson down year. And you, you, did you quietly see that Clemson won every game after that? Yeah, <laughs> like I saw the. I saw after the uh, Alabama Georgia game, they're already preseason picked like number four. Right, Clemson. Clemson's last loss was to Pitt on like October twentieth, and they finished. They finished eleven and three. Yeah, <laughs> like, we'll remember, we'll remember the year that Deshaun Watson won the national title. Their only loss was to Pitt. <laughs> right. They so Clemson finished eleven and three, and they finished fifteenth. Um, yeah. The, they they put the three ACC teams back to back to back. It's uh, Pitt, Wake, and Clemson, 13, 14, yeah. 15. So that's crazy. They'll be back. You know they re they reload with five stars. Um, and if Uwe, if Uyunga Lale is not going to be the guy that they thought that they that he would, I'm sure they have like two five stars out of high school or transfer portal coming in. So um, hopefully Pitt can still continue to ru- to reign the coastal. Um, but Bronson next year, hopefully it is Slovis. He, he gets my vote. Um, and you and I should talk about this, and we have several months to plan it. But I think we should try to go to the backyard brawl. It's finally back. Yes, uh, I saw it, that. And it's opening day. It's normally it would be the last. I'm in. Game. Let's do it. It would normally be the last game of the year, but it's going to be September 3rd at home. I Heinz. think my boys will want to go too. So maybe we yeah, can get let's a get a, group, let's get a group going. Um, somebody buy the tickets and I'll pay somebody back or whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, the backyard brawl, it's probably going to be a sold out house pit coming off a good year. We should be favored because West Virginia is in a little bit of a down spell. Yes, they are. Um, so let's, let's like crush the Mountaineers and the renewal of the backyard brawl. And it's on opening day. Um, I think Pitt's schedule is not too bad next year. Like maybe they're looking at another nine, 10 win year and another, you know, ranked in the top 25 year, maybe go to the, the championship game as coastal champs and, 
you know, I'm getting mad. A lot of the preseason pools don't have them in the top 25, which I don't know what people are smoking. But I think with, I think Pitt's. A, 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 I think I think I think with Pickett gone, I think people think Pitt's going to go right. down to earth. With but, I mean, you have Addison. They got the transfer from Akron, another receiver. That I saw gonna, that too. It's going to be dynamic with him and Addison. And if Slovis comes in as a four star, if he's the guy. They, sh- they should get right back to clicking. And the run game has Vincent Davis and Abanacanda coming back, I think. So, yeah. The transfer of Cam Bright hurts. I don't know why he wanted to leave. Um, but yeah. they'll, they'll retool on defense. A lot of guys coming back. A lot of starters from this uh, ACC champion team coming back. Yes, not Pickett, but I'm still excited for what 2022 has to, to, to yeah. hold for Pitt. And then um, and then we'll, we'll transition here, Frankie. We'll, we'll get this real quick. I know we're getting a little late in the, the night here. But I'll make it quicker. Pittsburgh Penguins, um, their their ten game winning streak ends. Uh, they go to Dallas and lose three to two. They were actually up by a couple goals there, Frankie. But oh, I know I think COVID kind of ruined that lineup. You know, with guys out of COVID protocol, they only having to, having to go with eleven forward, seven defensemen. They ran out of uh, gas. Yeah, yeah. Mark Madden said that, and everyone in the NHL said that too. They just ran out of gas. Dallas, you know, right for the pick, and they get that W there. But Frankie, they go, they they go on the West Coast trip, and their first game was last night in Anaheim. And then we get the big, the 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 news we've been waiting for all year of Kenny Malkin was available. I'm to back, Gino. <laughs> Done a Cam Newton. I'm back. <laughs> the Russian, the Cam Newton. I'm back. The Russian tank coming in the lineup, and he just, you know, and I think um I forget who said this. It was Mike Rupp maybe today on Mark Madden that. The Penguins getting power play opportunities yesterday was a good thing for Malkin too, because he got some right. free free touches with the puck, and he made good on it. Frankie, Frank, he had two goals as did Jeff Carter, mm-hmm. and a big win for the Penguinos and and Gino's return. Uh, that 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 laser that Malkin got the first goal, the one where Sid felt like he jumped like twenty feet in the air to that was awesome. The yeah, shot. Sid <laughs> still, still, still showing the athleticism. And the cool thing is what I what I thought maybe would happen did not happen. It appears that they are still going to keep Evan Rodriguez in the power play, which they should. Well, and, we'll uh, see when Russ comes back. That might. Yeah, be I hope they still keep Erod. Yeah, me too. I think you got to you got to ride the Erod train until it runs out of steam. Even if Russ right. comes back, I do believe that. But then you know, obviously you're in a conundrum with with you know with Russ being out and things like that. Uh, this forced uh, Jeff Carter to play on the wing, and he's played there before. Uh, but maybe Jeff Carter playing on the wing too, Frank, allows him to have some looks at the net that he wouldn't have had as you know less defensive uh, responsibility as a center and allows him to get more looks at the net. And right. we've seen Jeff Carter put the puck in the net, Frank, and he had two last night. His, it, 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 we'd be talking about Jeff Carter today if it wasn't for the return of Malkin and the two goals. True. Um, but Tristan Jari keeps it rolling, Frank. He's uh, top three, I feel like, in every goalie category. And yep. and, I, uh, and uh, Rupp said it, and I believe, I don't know, one of the hockey writers, I might might have been Burnside maybe said it, that you got to consider now Jari for the Vezina. Um, mm. He's played so well. And uh, this is good. You know, hope this thing hope this, this just keeps rolling for the Penguins, Frank. And, and translate uh, into the playoffs for Jari is, is going to be yeah. the main the main The focus. transition yeah. to playoffs is where it's going to have to make dividends. Yeah. We're gonna to have to make paydirt on that, uh, but they'll be on this little West Coast swing. The, you know, they'll play like your your Kings, your Sharks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All these late games that I don't late like. games. On the, night owls, Mike, <laughs> the, the night house. Um, they will play tomorrow night, Frank, uh, at the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah. So that'll be a, a homecoming return for Jeff Carter, and hopefully he right. can keep that goal scored. And Gino loves being in LA as well. So. Um, I don't know That's if you. I believe he got his first goal. I I want to say yeah, back I, in a. You, uh, no no. Um, New Jersey's where Malkin got his first goal. The Pokemon Broder 
But Malkin had that goal-scoring streak when he came into the league. He had, like, six goals in six games or five goals in five games. And L.A. was part of that. Uh-huh. But uh, the Kings. But he does love scoring in L.A. Um, but um, so the the Geno Express is back and uh, looks like he hasn't lost a – and it's hard, Frank, for, for as long as Malkin's been out to just come in and just tear it up. And I uh, hope things just keep rolling, man. Just have everyone clicking on all cylinders. And ha- put, hopefully be playing your best hockey when it comes time for the spring, and just see where the thing, uh, where everything falls. Um, real quickly before I turn it over to you about the Penguins, just uh, some NHL little little side notes here. Uh, Boston Bruins actually, uh, the Providence Bruins signed Tuka Rask for like a you know like a rehab stint there, but the Providence Bruins have been hit with COVID, so Tuka hasn't had even had a chance to play there. So now Boston signed him, and so he's gonna he's gonna come back in here, Frank. They've had some goaltending, uh, you know, bugaboos with Swayman and uh, with with Allmark. They haven't really hung, held their end of the deal here. So this allows, uh, you know, to see if uh, there's any ga- uh, gas left in the Tuka Rass tank here to kind of get Boston right here. Um, and uh, Eric Stahl, I told you before we recorded, signed with the Iowa Wild of the American Hockey League. Uh, not to make a, a comeback to the NHL, but to, uh, I guess, get his uh, – game shape and cardio shape back in time he plans to go to uh to beijing and play in the olympics over there so um and that's why he uh, and he's he lives in minnesota so i'm i uh, that's probably you know fish in a barrel there for for eric Stahl. so and i'm sure we'll see some other names i know frank and i joked before the show recorded that we were going to see like a dustin jeffrey play or you know some guys you know from penguins past yeah like playing in europe it's going to be a lot of europe minor leaguers maybe yeah. some young guys like owen power and i think here that they, they, they will go that they will go to that well yeah, the World Junior guys, we might see a lot of them. Yeah. So since that can't got canceled, we at least maybe have the Olympics to see some of them guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't want to make this hockey heavy tonight. Obviously, any NFL and and college football takes the kick here. But right. obviously, with the season ending, with the NFL seasons or in the college seasons ending, um, obviously we're gonna have all spring to talk lots of hockey. Mm-hmm. That's really your your little small information, Frank. Anything you want to uh, touch upon? Yeah, just uh, the, I've been watching every game throughout the the ten game win streak and just seeing the Pens yeah. roll. And they didn't lose since December first, a late night game in Edmonton. That you know the TNT game that we kind of previewed, um, yeah. Crosby v McDavid, and the Pens what? were the Pens were tight in that game before losing it late. And then after that, didn't lose for a month and a half. It felt like with some of the COVID post. Yeah, I think even that that hiatus, the COVID hiatus, I think is the more impressive thing because they didn't yeah. play hockey for what seemed like a, a couple of weeks there, and then just got back like nothing happened. Yeah, it was the Christmas break and a few COVID postponements. Um, so it was like a month and a half between loss. You know, they didn't lose, and the Dallas game, boy, they had Dallas beat. They played the game well. They just ran out yeah. of gas there, and Dallas got a couple bounces late, and it was over. Um, but no, start a new one now. You you go into Anaheim and dominate. Malkin's back. Um, sad to see Rust get COVID because oh, he yeah. when he came back he had hat trick hat trick two like he had like eight goals and like in a three game span it was like it was historic level like um, he was just white hot and him and Rodriguez had hat tricks in the same game against San Jose um, and then. The, the Blues game was interesting, Bronson, and you and I are both big Baruby guys, but did you see him <laughs> kind of botch that challenge? Um, yes, yes. I mean, I <laughs> if you go from seven minutes left in the game, you go up a goal to down a goal. Like, I, I think you just, you don't want to, because it comes with a two-minute penalty if you're wrong, 
and yeah. you get the and you get the, the hot penalty pen- for missing so huge. Yeah, and and then the Penguins get right on top. Like, live to fight another day and maybe get the point in the, in the interconference matchup and go for the second point in overtime. Like, don't give the Penguins with momentum a power play right back to back when you can yeah. clearly see Bennington, you know, put the elbow outside of the crease and initiate oh, the contact. He's such with a- si- I don't I like was such anything. a fan of his when he came in the um, league. He's such a blowhard. He's such a he's a hothead. He tries to fight people. He tries to fight the opposing goalies. He yells at the refs on every play. And well, then, yeah, I don't. What like I was saying, he was on spit and chicklets, and it's like he has like all this like this, maybe the chip on his shoulder maybe makes him play better. But like like you said, he tries to pick fights with, with other goalies. He's overrated. Players. I think well, he's o- he talks about on spit and chicklets about I guess. When Marty Broder was in the the hockey ops department there, yeah. about how they, he was kind of overlooked by Marty Broder and mm-hmm. it kind of like you know when I see Marty Broder just tell him to f off or you know f you <laughs> or whatever, and it's like it's like he's just like bitter and he's like has this chipper. I'm sure he, he didn't say that. <laughs> well, no, he didn't say like he didn't say it like that, but he yeah. was basically saying like he has respect for Broder as a player, but mm-hmm. didn't like working under Broder when he was in hockey ops with yeah. the Blues. But he but he was saying the like um, you know. Maybe that helped him win the cup when, when on that run with the Blues, but it's like he's always getting all these the skirmishes and stuff. I'm just yeah. like you said, he's such a blowhard. And it's funny we're talking about St. Louis because I did want to mention real quickly um, the Winter Classic that finally got to yeah be that happened in Minnesota, and I watched the entire game. It was mm-hmm. up against something else too. I think it was one of the the NFL games, or but I watched the Winter Classic, and uh, and Minnesota actually uh, was. Um, they came up big, or um, they might have lost to St. Louis actually. If think, think about yeah, St. Louis won the game, but it was. A but, great... I, but, uh, but the reason why I would say that is because uh, our buddy Ryan Schaefer, I was picking on him because he goes, Bloss News, he wants to watch this game, those superstars. And Kuro Caprice, I was like, oh, I'm a superstar. Yeah, two goals, yeah. a couple assists. <laughs> we, we, me and you were texting about that. Like, we saw plenty of star power. Like, that, that game was, was fun to watch, and it was like negative eight degrees. And, Target Field in Minnesota put together a good show with all the side things that were going on in the, oh, in, was, the in the baseball field. So it was really fun to and see. And that was TNT's first crack at it too. And mm-hmm. I thought they did a brilliant job with their coverage. Agreed. And I, um, and, and it was sad Edzo couldn't be a part of that because I think it was COVID or something. He couldn't be there to broadcast the game. Yeah. But um, but Kuro Kaprizov, that was that. If you had never heard of Kuro Kaprizov, you you certainly found out about him that game. And you know how fans we are of him on the show here. So mm-hmm. and uh, but no. But no, you were talking about the, the blues. Yeah, I I just had to get the thing about bidding tickets. He, he he annoys the hell out of me now. Saying <laughs> I, I I agree wholeheartedly. I've 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 been a, a critic of Bennington the last couple of years. Yeah, he has the cup that nobody can take away from him. But I think he's yeah. overrated. Um, but no, the Penguins are are um yeah they're out west still. They have the Kings, the Sharks, and uh, Vegas left here. So three more really late night games, um coming up. Uh, they're going to be tough. Those those three teams are having pretty good seasons. So hopefully the Penguins can get put put together a few more wins on this trip before coming home. To the the, the schedule actually kind of gets easier. Um, I know there's no guarantees, but um, they have um, the Senators and they have Columbus, Arizona, Seattle, Detroit coming up. Yeah. Um, and so, and. And to cut you off, and as I've been yeah. the team, I've cut Frank off the entire night here. But sorry about that. Believe it or not, the Penguins have yet to play the Rangers or the Hurricanes this year. I thought I th- 
thought about that too, and it's crazy. It's a weird quirk in the schedule. We will not see either of them teams until February 26th. Um, that's when we take on the Rangers for the first time. Um, so the last three months of the season, you're going to see a ton of Rangers and Hurricanes because we have to fit uh, five games in. Maybe they'll um, cool off by then. Right. Um, but no, the, the Penguins are, um, they're, they're red hot and they're, they're, they're outperforming expectations and now they're healthy. Um, if we get this COVID snap out of here and we get rust back and, um, Zucker back, um, and get everybody with now Malkin, um, I see the Penguins leapfrogging into that top three and getting there with Washington, the Rangers and Carolina, they're only three points back and they have games in hand on the Rangers and Capitals right now. Um, plenty of distance between them and Detroit for the wild card. Um, you know, Detroit's the first team looking up at the wild cards. Penguins a 10 point lead on them. Um, one team that's down there might be the, the Islanders that can make a run, but, um, you know, the Penguins are even ahead of Boston for the first wild card. Yeah. Um, they're looking pretty solid to make the playoffs and that can they make a deep playoff run? Who knows? There's so many good teams, Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Carolina, Washington Rangers. I mean, you're going to get a tough first round matchup no matter what. Um, and, and we have plenty of time to talk about playoffs, but it's, it's, you know, let's enjoy the regular season. Yeah. yeah we're Looking like the playoffs are going to happen now when many predicted they might miss. Um, and hopefully they get there and they make a run again. And Jari figures the playoffs out because he's been a stud in the regular season. So if that carries over, this team could go on a cup run. Yeah. Now the, the one bad thing they can't, and I'm excited for the trade deadline every year. We'll probably talk about it, but the Penguins have no cap room. So no. we're, we're not bringing in. A I John- think. I was saying, I think their 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 trade deadline is going to be everyone coming back. That's their acquisitions. And and we've we've mentioned it. Um, if, if they can find a way to get Pedersen and Zucker out of here, that would be the only thing that cleared up money. Because my theory is trade both of them. Um, that clears up nine million, and you can get like a John Klingberg, or you can get like some of the big names. And then why not plug in like a, a you know a Brian Boyle, a Casper Bjorkvist, like somebody can plug in for Zucker, um, yeah. and 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 Pio Joseph could plug in for um, for Pedersen, I think, or um, Mark Friedman, um, or Ricola, um, yeah, or, or whoever they get in the trade if it's a D man. So I think if they if they could find somebody to take Pedersen and Zucker. Um, they could they could land a superstar and then fill in the other hole with somebody that's uh, can't not sniffing the ice with a healthy scratch. So maybe maybe yeah. maybe Burke and Hextall can work some magic. I think a backup goalie could be something too. Um, I was thinking to, about that too to look out for, but like maybe like a Braden Holtby, even though we've been such a rival with him in the past, um, I could see that if Dallas falls out of it, but. Um, Maybe a, a wing, a Russian winger to play with Malkin, as they always keep saying, um, like a Radulov if Dallas falls out of it. Um, yeah. But no, Penguins are exciting me right now. I'm super happy. Like they're they're exceeding expectations. They're getting healthy. Gino's back. Um, they they're winning almost every night. So NHL is going to heat up and get exciting. Um, Two. I was going to say a couple more things. I just wanted yeah. to say real quickly. Uh, DK had an article come out this week. I guess uh, they interviewed Bobby Clark where he's basically crying that Ron Hextall is the reason for some of the failures in Philadelphia, some personnel moves that were questioned. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Um, 
he blamed Hextall for the drafting of Nolan Patrick second overall in the seventh eh, draft. It was bad. Uh, our whole our whole room wanted K, uh, Kale McCarr. Oh, <laughs> you're genius. That's what right. you want. Right? You know, and, and I remember that draft year too because I was in Chicago uh, for the draft that year. And uh, and it, it was consensus that it was Heischer and Patrick. And it could have flip-flopped either was. way. There was, no one was ever talking about McCarr being a number one pick. He was a top five guy, top ten guy, top, you know. And it's, you know, Bobby Clark said that, you know, a couple of moves he made here. And he forgets, you know, that, you know, Hextall drafted Carter Hart. And he drafted Joel Farabee. He drafted these guys. You know, it's always the bad things. And Bobby Clark should have never, no one should have put a microphone in his face. He needs to go back to the 70s like the dinosaur he is. Never liked that guy. He seems to forget when he was a GM, he couldn't get the goaltending situation right with his early 2000s Flyers teams that were, you know, Jeremy Roenick, LeClaire, Recchi, Amante, uh, Rathji, all those guys, um, um, Ragnarsson, all those guys. You know, Jack Monick didn't cut cut the mustard. Boucher didn't cut the mustard. Jeff Hackett didn't cut the mustard. You know, his his track record as a GM isn't exactly great either, Frank. And he's the guy that, that forced Lindros out of Philadelphia, so... Um, I just think he needs to go sit somewhere and be quiet. And then secondly, you were talking about healthy scratches. Uh, today, it was, uh, I guess, the other night in Wilkes-Barre. Uh, Lafferty and Poulin were healthy scratches at Wilkes-Barre. So it's clearly two guys who clearly have not uh, uh, are not really seen the fight in their game right now, Frankie. And uh, Well, did you hear about Lafferty? They traded him. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, they traded him for the, the Nylander kid from Chicago. Right. From Chicago. Right. But before that, he had been he didn't healthy. Okay. I forgot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're hitting uh, ten o'clock here and getting uh, hour deleted. three. <laughs> but I, I, I'm cool taking that chance on that Nylander kid because, you know, uh, uh, because you know he has the pedigree. You know, maybe maybe if you let him sit down Wilkes Barre for a little bit and maybe we could try to you know reclaim what he used to be that first round pick. Um, but you know, it's disheartening because Poole ends up you know first round pick and now he can't even see the final lineup at Wilkes Barre. I told you, Frank. I told you they should have took Suzuki. I mean, Kevin Bruce said that for a couple of years. Um, Nick Suzuki's brother should have took Suzuki, and he's in Carolina now. So I'm saying that till till I'm proven wrong. So, and that's all I got for hockey for you. So, um, just stay tuned. It'll heat up there, and um, just turn over. And we're gonna go to finally the end of the show. The final thoughts, and I'll let Frank lead off. So, yeah, Bross, I'm going to switch gears on my final thoughts this week and, and go to a sport that I don't get to talk about much until the major championships come around. And we are uh, on the brink of one here as the tennis season for 2022 kicks off. And we'll be in Melbourne for the uh, 2022 Australian Open. And, you know, crazy that the big three are still around. Now, Roger Federer is uh, re- recovering from knee surgery. He's not expected to be back until mid to late uh, season. Um, But Nadal and Djokovic still trucking along and expected to be major factors and top, top seeds at the uh, Australian open Um, young up and comers like Zverev and team and Rublev um, are, are going to be factors as well on the men's side. Stefano Tsitsipas, a guy that I love the young Greek top 10 player. Um, But the big news leading up to, the Australian Open, which kicks off in, I believe, a week um, towards the end of the month, um, is Novak Djokovic. Um, not a lot of people knew this, but he's not. he chose not to be vaccinated, um, which Bronson and I have gone on records. We are totally fine if you choose that. We're not big you know, pushers of the vaccine. Um, 
but Novak Djokovic not vaccinated, arrives in Australia to get ready for the tournament and gets detained at the airport and not allowed entry to the country. Uh, this was huge news. Um, as you know, a, a mega millionaire, mega star, one of the greatest tennis players of all time, um, is kind of being held at like kind of like an airport prison. Kind of, it's not like he was in trouble, trouble, but they were threatening him to you know to, to cancel his visa and just you know kind of deport him, kick him out of the country, um, which would mean he would have to forfeit the tournament um, and not get to not get to try to you know I think defend his crown. Yeah, he won it last year. He's won it I think not a record nine times. Um, which led him to a record 20 majors um, currently tied with Nadal and Federer for the most majors of all time. Um, wouldn't be able to add to that resume, um, not get to participate and have to leave the countries. Um, stayed there for a couple days in, in legal battles, um, trying to get them to overturn the decision. Um, it became a media spectacle and kind of a black eye. Um, I was kind of in team Djokovic. I've been a fan of him his whole career. Um, great guy, great humanitarian, great for the sport. Um, would would not try to harm anybody. Um, just just wants to play tennis. Um, the tournament in Melbourne actually said we grant him exception status. Um, we give him a medical exemption to play without the vaccine. Um, but they didn't check with their government first because their government actually has a no travel ban policy. If you don't have the vaccine card. At, at the airport, you can't get in. So they upheld that and they kind of didn't let him in. So the, the tournament didn't do their homework and, and, and inform Djokovic, you know, like, Hey, you can't come or you have to get the shot. So he was kind of in limbo uh, and news just broke. I think yesterday or today that they did overturn it and Djokovic will be allowed into the country and allowed to play. So I'm happy about that. Um, kind of embarrassing, kind of, you know, crazy for him for a few days to be dealing with that. Um, if you look long term, Australia has to maybe start waking up and, and and ease some of these lockdowns. They're one of the most locked down country in the world. Um, this is a big time tennis star that's going to put your country kind of on the map and b- bring a bunch of revenue to your country. Like, what are you doing trying to alienate him like this? Um, there's there's plenty of protocols in place anyway. Every player at the at the tennis facility is going to be tested like daily and masking in locker rooms and you know so if that if all that's in place and he's asymptomatic and he actually had covid last month so he's kind of immune for a while you know what's the harm in him coming in and playing as long as everybody follows protocol and social distance and bronson and i have said this in the past we're not getting political but at some point when is the cure worse than the disease? Like we got to start having these sporting events and we got to start, you know, even if you're not vaxxed, you've seen Kyrie Irving is finally allowed to play, although only road games only because the state, the state of New York, like Australia requires vaccination to work. So he, you know, technically playing in the NBA is his job and he's not allowed to play in home games. So he's only suiting up on the road, which is really strange. But uh, but no, big, big win for Djokovic. I'm happy. And now I hope he can go um, win on the court and get another major and win another Australian crown. So I'll be uh, next time we get together, probably talking about how that tournament's going. Um, But that was just a wild story in news lately. Yeah. he was kind of, you know, stopped at the airport and not permitted, not not allowed entry to the country. It was it was insane. It was kind of a circus for a while there. But I think uh, just uh, 
as of a couple hours ago, finally got, got resolved. So yeah, I just wanted to give tennis some love and, and give that as my final thought there, Brunson. Yeah, no, and, and I'll be looking forward to seeing how he does in, in the, in the open there, Frankie. And yeah, I was watching uh PTI and around the horn. They were documenting that I'm at work. So I'm busy during the, during the day, but like, mm-hmm. um, like the last hour, that five o'clock hour, when we start to get things ready to close up, I, I'll throw ESPN on, you know, because I don't, I don't really like what's on ESPN. I, I'm really over some of the shows they are, but yeah. I do make it a point to watch Around the Horn, especially PTI has been my show since I was a kid, and I, yeah. I try to watch it every day. And they were definitely documenting the Djokovic, Djokovic situation there. So uh, stay tuned to, to the show. Frank's uh, he's, the, he's the tennis guru, and uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll recap, of course, uh, the Australian Open there for sure. Uh, mine is pretty predictable. You know, I'm the hockey guy. I'm the racing guy. I'm the wrestling guy. Um it's mid-January, Frank. It is time once again for the Chili Bowl. Uh, I chronicled it last year. It's a uh, a dirt midget race. It's the national dirt midget race. It's held in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, it's a, the, a big convention center there. They turn into a dirt track, Frank. Uh, hundreds of drivers come from all over the country, even some probably from Australia, ironically, of all places. Um, and they race dirt midgets. There's hundreds, and it gets through qualifying races and qualifying uh, times. It gets narrowed down to Saturday. It's an all-week thing, but it narrows down to Saturday night where you have the uh, the upper uh, mains. It's called the, the main features there, or those features. And then there's the main, the main, the main event there. Um, and the the higher the the smaller the the smaller the letter, Frank, the higher the prestige. So you know, guys qualify races during the week, and then we, there's a term you'll hear if you do watch the Chili Bowl, Frank. It's called the alphabet soup. So you have to win the Q main to get into the, you know, <laughs> the P, the P main to get the O main, you know, NM, you know, L H I, you know, you go off the ladder to ultimately Saturday, you'll get to be in that, you know, C, B and A mains. Uh, that A main is the winner and whoever wins that takes them the prestigious golden driller award. Um, uh, a lot of uh, dirt racing legends have won that golden driller award. Tony Stewart is a two time winner. Kyle Larson is a back to back winner, Frank the defending NASCAR Cup Series champion. So he's down Tulsa right now uh, trying to, to, to make it a three-peat. Um, Christopher Bell did a three-peat, um, I want to say it was 17, 18, 19. And then Larson 2021, 20, so 22, he would be going for his three-peat. Hmm. Uh, so Christopher Bell Cup Series guys is Kyle Larson, who's obviously the defending NASCAR champion. Uh, but Chase Elliott, Chase Briscoe, Alex Bowman, uh, just to name a few other NASCAR guys that are also racing in this Chili Bowl uh, Dirt Midget event. Um, all week you can watch it on a streaming platform called uh, Flow Racing, Frank. Uh, but the main event, the Saturday night big show, will be on Mav TV. Uh, check your local listings to find Mav TV. Uh, it's a big dirt racing event. That'll be everything will come to a head on Saturday night, probably around 11, 11 close to midnight because it's uh, central to Oklahoma. Um, it's an exciting race. It's a big, small oval, small little bull ring there. And uh, these guys wheel this dirt midget around. It's kind of hard to put into words, folks. I implore you to YouTube the Chili Bowl and just watch highlights from previous races. It's a fun, exciting race. Kyle Larson took a lot of heat a couple years ago for saying that uh, he would take a Chili Bowl win over a Daytona 500 win. Um, that's how much the Chili Bowl means to him. I don't know, Frank, if I could re-ask Kyle a question since he now has two <laughs> Chili Bowl wins. And he doesn't have a Daytona 500 win yeah. yet, but uh, uh, but um, he was he's down in Tulsa racing this race, Frank. And ironically, as this is going on, the NASCAR Cup guys are testing the new next gen cars at Daytona this week. Uh, so Kyle could not make it there. So uh, Dale Jr. had to dust off the uh, the racing helmet and uh, 
strap up and go into the Kyle Larson number five car and test the car <laughs> uh, this week at Daytona. So that took some uh, national headlines. Dell Jr. is back in a car on, on a super speedway there. Um, so good for Dale. And he's and he's racing this year, uh, a couple more races, I think, this year for Dale Jr. too. He retired from full-time racing uh, you know, due to uh, some concussion issues and things like that. Ironically, Frank, uh, the guy who diagnosed Dale Jr.'s thing was Dr. Mickey Collins, the guy from UPNC who worked closely with Sidney Crosby during his concussion issues. So um, there's, there's a link there. But no, Chili Bowl is going to be uh, Frank Saturday night. Obviously going to watch some playoff uh, uh, football. Um, that New England Buffalo game will be over before the Chili Bowl main event. So I'll get to watch some football and then we'll, we'll wrap it up with the Chili Bowl. I'm sure next time we, we reunite to record, we'll uh, I'll recap the Chili Bowl. We'll be hitting around the uh, the uh, IMSA Rolex sports car, uh, the 24 Hours of Daytona. We'll be I'll recap that for you and probably preview. Uh, and believe it or not, Frank, it feels like we just uh, ended the NASCAR season, but uh, uh, the Cup season starts in February at Daytona, so it's coming up. It's coming up on us soon. It, it's that quick. It comes right back yeah, up on time us. Time so. flies. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the new the, the headline there will be Brad Keselowski, obviously being the uh, part owner of of Roush Fenway Kislowski racing. I guess Brad Kislowski probably has like what, like 2% of the penguins like with LeBron. I don't know. <laughs> um, and Brad Kislowski Frank is from Detroit. So he's a lifelong Red Wings fan. So I don't know <laughs> how he feels about having part ownership of the penguins. <laughs> so uh, we'll see about that. But no, um, uh, just a big bit. I implore you if you have nothing, you know, that the playoff game ends and you're looking for something to do, find Mav TV, throw in the chili bowl. I promise you will not be disappointed. If you love, uh, you know, rough you know side to side racing and uh, some mud dirt flying and that'll be that'll be your treat there bronson i and it seems like i remember you talking about last year is not too long ago too it's crazy but um i'll be interested yeah that's just you have christopher bell and now kyle larson going for the three-peat of course they, them two have to be the favorites but um they are yeah they'll win the be the and a couple of the usac guys that you probably don't know of like canon mcintosh and the defending uh, former USAC champion and recent uh, all-star champion, uh, Sunshine Tyler Courtney. Those are guys you're going to hear about. They're dirt racing guys. But, yeah, you're right. Larson and Bell will be the top two guys again. It's like they have the rivalry, Frank. They started out in dirt racing, you know, midgets and then sprint cars. And then now it's the Cup Series. Like, they yeah. followed each other up. Like, this is like this is like this generation's Earnhardt versus Gordon. Oh, yeah. It's like. And then they're, they're actually they're actually kind of friends. So it's not like it's like you know they're they're rivals on the track, but cordial and friendly off of it. Now that sounds interesting. That that'll be fun to to hear you recap that the next show. But that looks like it brings us to about the end. We went uh, yeah. we had a lot to catch up on, so we went over the three hour mark this time. Uh, so uh, yeah, Bronson and I are excited for NFL playoffs to kick off and the pens to continue their success and um, we'll be covering tennis and racing and we'll be getting close to baseball talk by the time we, you know, next couple of the weeks that when we get on, it'll be, if, if we can get through this, this labor dispute and get the spring training talk. So and one last thing too, Frank, I know this episode's going to come out, uh, you know, probably the next couple of days. Uh, one thing wrestling, I do want to mention the Royal Rumbles this month. So that's a big WWE pay-per-view event, uh, wrestle rumble.com. Uh, that's a big thing. If you want to predict the the winner of the Royal Rumble, uh, win some cash, win some uh, wrestling merchandise. Go on WrestleRumble.com, uh, WrestleRumble on Twitter, 
Um, I'm sure next episode I'm going to probably work with, uh, I'm going to get a hold of the people involved in Wrestle Rumble, maybe get a, a contest giveaway cool. for free entries next show. So stay tuned for that. Um, <clears throat> before we go and make Frank laugh a little bit, Johnny Knoxville won a match on SmackDown. And now, <laughs> now he's in the Royal Rumble. So, oh gosh. Yeah, so the pay-per-view he'll be, he'll be in the Royal Rumble. Obviously, um, Jackass Forever, the new movie is coming out in February. So this is all pumped for that publicity yeah yeah funny. so johnny knoxville may fall on his head of the royal rumble so <laughs> if i implore you to get the, the peacock streaming service to watch the royal rumble there's a good incentive there but that's it um that's all that's all i mean i guess frank at the beginning so I'll, I'll close it out um thanks for frank for allowing us to do the show tonight um we started early but you know we, we had to kick everything in frank it's the season premiere we had to, right. get, we had to squeeze everything in here lots so. of cover so thanks to Frank for always for doing this with me. Uh, Frank, thanks to Frank's wife Katie, who will do have the thankless honor of trying to put the show together and make it coherent. Uh, big thanks to Justin and Nico, next level nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, an important thank you to you guys for uh, keep keeping us uh, on our feet and uh, requesting more episodes. We got some stuff coming on the pike. I got some ideas I'm going to talk to Frank about. I think maybe. Uh, get more engaged on social media, maybe have like a, a mailbag or something so people can submit yeah. questions to us. Another uh, live episode soon, maybe another live episode, maybe a penguins game coming up here. Or, yeah. Um, uh, if, 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 if I didn't have Super Bowl plans, I would say the Super Bowl, but I have plans. So I'd rather focus on drinking some, yeah, uh, that one's adult, fun to watch without yeah, <laughs> drink I mean. some adult beverages and stuff. I'm worried yeah. more about that than I am about that. So, but, but until next time, guys, thank you for, for, for listening and then, and, and staying engaged with us. Um, for Frank Conti and everyone at Next Level Nerd, I am Bronson Allman. Until next time, uh, enjoy the football, enjoy the hockey. Until the next time we see you, top guys, nice. out. out. Football, 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 hockey. Throw me the baseball. Now toss me the big skin. Now feed me the rock. Now give me the rock.